This podcast is brought to you by Harry's. Please visit harrys.com and use promo code BALDMOVE, all caps, to get $5 off your first order. Watching Dead, the officially unofficial podcast for The Walking Dead on AMC. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And we are talking today about season six, episode three, entitled Thank You. Oh, what do you think about this one, Aaron? No, thank you. I No, thank you. <laughs> Just no, thank you. Do we have feedback this week? <laughs> we, we do. We have a lot of feedback. But, oh, you want to just skip the whole recap thing altogether. I don't, know, I don't want to talk about this episode. No, so it's, I don't know. It's, I got a second watch in this morning. It's the rare episode where I got more and more angry and annoyed the more I watched it. Usually, I'm uh, it's initial disappointment, then some bargaining, some despair, then some acceptance, and then it's like, okay, well, I can start to see. But the problems get getting bigger and bigger in my mind as as I watched the episode, and then I actually did the unthinkable. I watched The Talking Dead and read some oh. interviews that Gimple have been sprinkling here and there, and it's mm-hmm. just like. Jesus, man! Yeah the the Glenn thing. If you're Glenn going thing, to do we'll this, talk about if that, you're going but... to do this horse shit, you gotta commit to it. You can't. I what? And I think it's terrible. It's a terrible. What decision. do you mean by this horse shit? The Glenn death. Glenn's quote if, unquote. If you're going death. to kill Glenn, you have to commit to it. Is what you're saying? Right? It, or if you're going to do okay. a fake out, you have to commit to it. You can't be like uh, Gimple. Literally, literally released I don't think a statement the statement yesterday. Is good. I don't think it is. I don't either. think a fake out is ever good. I don't think it is either. Okay. However, he released a statement saying, uh, I just want to assure Glenn fans that we will see from him in some form or some Parts part of, of him, him or, or in a flashback or in a present scene or sometime in the space time continuum. We uh-huh. will glimpse him on the glass of our cameras within the next five episodes. I'm like, <laughs> just fuck off. Yeah. Just fuck off. Yeah. That is, you know, Michigan J. Frog could have like, hello, my baby, hello, across the screen, and I'd have found it less <laughs> offensive than the way they've handled Glenn's quote-unquote death. Uh-huh. And also, it's like, I want to say, like, I thought about it this morning in the shower. It's like, I kind of want to call everyone that actually believes that that Glenn is dead a rube, except for it's easy to forgive a person for believing that for him being buried under a fuck ton yeah. of zombies. So. If what I think is true that he's alive, they're mm-hmm. going to have to have some way to get him out of this preposterous situation, which I don't think they're going. It's going to be worth it, or as cool as or believable. Uh, I'm you with know. you, and this is why for me the 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 bait and switch, as I would call it, yes, never ever ever works because it would be much more satisfying for me to for them to end end Glenn's part of the episode with Dickless and him on the dumpster. We just mm. don't see him again for the rest of the episode. Sure. How, he's there's no hint that he's actually dead. There's no like because here it's they're all but saying he's fucking dead. He's dead on right. screen. Yeah. But there are a lot of ambiguities around it. Whereas like Again, the Talking Dead did not put him in in more in memorandum and every single or whatever, immemorial. And every time they've done that, it's always been some kind of fake out or there's been more to the story. But I was thinking about like my favorite shows and and when i've seen this before and i'm having a really hard time coming up with anything that i thought was good that was a pure fake out 
that was just like, we've shown you something that clearly means one thing, and then later on we're going to say, nope, nope, this actually means the character's not dead, and here's how. But I can already see the smug expressions on their face, like, well, you know... uh, uh, Dickless landed on top of Glenn, and the guts coming out of Glenn were entirely the wrong section of his thorax, and and like, but yeah, but but that's not the hope. So there's a difference between a hopeless situation and a situation, a scenario in which you believe that he is firmly dead. Sure, like if they had showed us just him on the dumpster, yeah, and and cut away, and we were left to wonder how is he going to get out of this? Is he going to get out of this? Like it, it seems totally hopeless, but he's not potentially actively being eaten yeah and i know that there's like this uh, becoming a bit of a thing on game of thrones it's people like if you don't actually see a man's head come off or a crossbow bolt go through their forehead or you know a heart stab in their knife then you assume they're not going to be dead well there's this and i feel like that there there are there are things that the producers and directors and stuff have said counter to that too well, but what I'm saying is that I feel like that you can do fake ass like this. They're never entirely what you would call a very um, skillful play. It's okay. always a, it's always a kind of a cheap heat kind of appeal to the audience. It seems like, but there's only a finite amount of times you can do it. I feel like that Walking Dead's gone over that count many times. In fact, they even had a fake out death with with uh, Glenn like two seasons ago, mm-hmm. where he was supposed to be on the bus and he was on the bus, and it turns out he never left the prison, and he's kind of suspended over this giant sea of walkers precariously on this broken piece of rock in the prison. And to now at this point, I'm going to be watching, and every time a person is in danger, it's not going to even raise my pulse. Or if they're in an apparently hopeless situation, it's it's turned into the old Batman series. Where no matter what situation we're left with Batman and Robin at the end, I know if I tune in the same bat time, same bat channel, that they're going to come back next week. And that's... Yeah. I don't understand why a storyteller would want to do that to their audience, which would, it would essentially break trust with their audience. Yeah. So I, I don't want to spend a ton yeah. of time right now talking about it. Sure. Because we are going to talk about it in the feedback. And we're going to talk about all the reasons why he may or may not be dead. Because I got probably... 100 emails on that stuff and i cut most of them because uh they were reiterating points that had already been brought up so don't feel bad if i cut your email i got a shit load of it this time brutal it's like the Uh, zombie horde itself you just have to kind of get a motorcycle in front and 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 run as many of them (laughs) as you can 20 miles outside of town and even then half of the herd's gonna break off circle back and yeah it's make brutal cuts on the rest it's it's the only answer for it uh the other thing is before we move on Mm. is and why I hate this episode is not only that, but you also have all the baseline things that annoy me about The Walking Dead. The trite reiterations of what the world should be versus what the world is. The yeah. ambiguities in time and space. The lazy uh, location scouting slash framing of scenes to make to undercut the, the stories that you're trying to tell. It was all, all on display in this episode. Yeah. And I... Uh, yeah, I we I I just can't believe they fucked up this episode because we were even saying like there's no way <laughs> there's no way how can you mess up an episode where it's like Rick and then they're running for their lives and they're yeah. trying to kill this herd and there's going to be a siege of Alexandria. Well, Maybe when I said be. that, yeah, when I said that, I thought, oh, we're going to get the herd attacking Alexandria. Yeah, and I was like, that's impossible to mess up. All you got to yeah. do is a sea of walkers and you're good. But yeah, no. So we shall got. we begin the. Uh, the autopsy. 
Sure. All right, let's open this fucker up. Uh, we begin with the the horn that I hope we never hear again because at this point it's just uh, I'm, I'm, I feel like it's my alarm clock in the morning. That's uh, that's the most hated sound in my life. That particular tone. I've had this alarm clock forever. Uh-huh. I associate it with bad things like a trip to the dentist or what. I don't know how we would see it. Like, is there going to be like an Enid flashback? If she's a wolf where we're going to see like her moving around the town as a wolf. Like, it's funny because I was trying to think how they could make this even more egregious. And I'm like, keeping us in suspense, quote unquote, suspense about Glenn. I have good reason to believe that we're not going to get this resolved next episode. Yeah. But what if we have a cascading series of flashbacks or we have like a governor's arc with Morgan? Uh, cause, uh, and, and three episodes from now, we still haven't flashback to the current day, present day Alexandria. Like this could really, this we could, we could be in for a season where halfway, like halfway through the season, season or episode eight, I don't we're know. finally going to get to the walkers attacking. Maybe Gimple secretly hates the show and he's just seeing what I can do to engineer the biggest shark jump in history. And he keeps trying <laughs> and he keeps and, and he, we keep and getting more people in. keep watching through it's, the heroic efforts yeah. of the people cutting trailers at AMC. He's mm-hmm. like, God damn, you keep bringing in these millions of people. <laughs> Take this. Um, uh-huh. So anyway, the Alexandrians are freaking out. Uh, we got Rick trying to lead these groups back. And, uh, you know, Rick's group is trying to just herd these people in the running. Uh, Daryl and Rick have a debate about, you know, whether Daryl should circle back, go back with them, or whether they should continue leading. And this is all over CB because Daryl's, of course, on his motorcycle. Or they should keep leading away. Uh, Nicholas begins an episode-long disassociation. Yeah. Like, he just starts losing breaks with time and space, much mm-hmm. like the episode. Uh, there's this private Hudson character who just keeps on essentially saying, game over, man, game over, just bug it out and call it even, man. Uh, to which Michonne keeps saying, shut up and move. He probably doesn't have long. Wait, is this the Sturgis guy? No, is that what they call he's him? the other annoying Alexandrian. Oh, no, okay. no, the other one. No, no, the other. The, the, oh, he's yeah, the guy yeah. in the blue shirt, okay? Uh, so Rick, his plan is to go backtrack to the RV that was sh- shoring up the weak point of the 90-degree turn to zombies. Yeah, they don't to make. need that part of the track anymore. Nope, and he's going to come back around to his side road and meet these, this herd that's going towards Alexandria, um, even though they seem like they're heading through a forest, but again, whatever. He's going to pick them up and lead them back, Pied Piper style, to the rest of the walkers. Yeah, seems reasonable. It seems like a reasonable plan for something he's, you're just coming up. Yeah, head them the, off and do the sure. same thing you were going to do before. Uh, but then he gets in some hot water because he privately gives some instructions to Glenn and Michonne. He says, uh, look, uh, people, not so privately. Yeah. These people are idiots. They're so stupid that I'm going to say this plan in front of Heath. who's like 10 feet away. He's hiding behind a tree. He's <laughs> cleverly hidden. Well, you know, zombies can do it. Yeah. Uh, but, but really, these guys are all, we, we're all soft in the head mm-hmm. and weak as hell. And afterward, Rick looked over and he saw just these dreadlocks, this dreadlocked <laughs> ponytail coming uh, out from behind the tree. He's like, damn it. Uh, Damn it, I gave it away. <laughs> no, he just assumed it's the North American dreadlockus vinus plant. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, just uh, some kind of camouflage. Yeah, being from the UK, he didn't really know. Sure. He's never been to Backwoods, Georgia before. <laughs> uh, but he just tells him, look, cut and run. If these people stumble, stub their toe, get shot in the leg, break their ankle, just leave them. And all of the above happens. Uh, yes, and more. Uh, so Heath isn't sure about any of this, but just then Private Hudson gets himself eaten and it's just stupid. How? 
How? I have no like, idea. I haven't seen something this stupid. Well, that's not true. Uh, what's his face lost a fight to lawn furniture? Noah, yeah, uh, Noah mm-hmm. on on a, on the front porch. But going back to season two, Andrea, where they're all walking like abreast in a search line for Sophia. Oh yeah, and, and she suddenly she trips, off. slips, and falls into a zombie somehow within uh-huh. a single cut of the editor. And I, I he was surrounded by his crew. They're not that far off. I mean, Rick and Glenn went like 15 feet away to have this private conversation. He gets jumped by a zombie, and he's on the floor fucking humping this thing. I I don't see how this could possibly have happened. I don't know, man. I don't know. Uh, I, can't, I can't defend it. But the blue shirt gets eaten, and the horn finally stops, and I'm mm. thankful for that. And the Alexanders continue to be whining fatalistic, like, oh, I can't believe you just want us to run. This is just all hopeless. We should just lay down and die. But but if we do, you should stay and fight and protect us because, you know, that's what our policy is. Yeah, they don't seem to want to do anything in this situation. Like, no. you got you to get back. That's where you're headed. You'd think, like, Michonne and Glenn's presence on the team would be a firebreak to that kind of behavior. It's like, do you know who you're talking to? We're the yeah. crazy folks that ruin your parties because we've been outside dealing with this shit all day. It'd be like, you know, hearing Nelson Mandela talk about his life in prison and injustice and be like, yeah, well, one time I had to sleep off. I had to go to the drunk tank overnight and sleep off because a fucking cop was hassling me. Uh-huh. It's like, really? That's what you're going to say to fucking Michonne? And to be fair, she does not have much patience for this kind of shit. Yeah, she tolerates it right now, but... Eventually, she goes off on heat. Yeah, which I felt gratifying as a viewer, uh-huh. but I kind of, I, I don't know. It doesn't seem like realistic human behavior. What do you mean? To be so... To like, be this, like, so if, you're, if your thesis is these people don't want to save me because they're weak and they're going to cut and run at the first sign, your take is to be a passive-aggressive asshole to them? Okay. Yeah, I, these people are clearly unequipped to deal with any of this shit. Like, I I keep telling myself this is the first time they've been out. That here. was clear this to me is, about ten episodes ago. Is I know, the thing. I know, but this is the first time they've really been outside of the walls, right? So mm-hmm. we've got to see a little bit of floundering. Otherwise, what was the point of all this talk about them not being good enough to go outside the walls and survive? Well, okay, I, I, the floundering's fine. It's the complaining. Like I just thought that. Heath's I get it. Point, you don't want to hear like, whining, but like sure. But, but also, Heath is like. What is his alternative? You don't leave anyone ever? I mean, ask Dickless about that strategy. This that's what he they've been that's what him and, and Aiden sure, were doing yeah. forever. And I don't know, it just it's it bugged me. It's 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 a dumb argument that's not particularly artfully done, and yeah. it's something that we've been dealing with for the past season and I'm with you. Like something along those lines needed to happen, but I'm not sure that it worked for me. So, they encounter a smallish group of zombies, maybe about a dozen, so they're not even really outnumbered at this point. And Glenn says, hey, don't use your guns, hand-to-hand, take them one at a time, we'll be fine. And they start kicking ass. They start kicking ass, even the Alexandrians, until mm-hmm. stupid dude in a bucket hat starts blasting. Even Besides, things, I'm behind everyone, I'm going to start shooting. Things were well in hand, there wasn't yeah. even a reason to panic, he just pulled his gun out and just started... Com- like Eugene levels of comedy shooting. Yeah. Hits one of his own dudes in the dick. He goes down screaming and miraculously didn't get bit by a zombie. And then Bucket Hat just takes off, takes off in the opposite direction. Sturgis. Away from Sturgis, right? Yes. Named after the motorcycle rally that he was undoubtedly illegitimately conceived at. Uh, 
Yeah, and, this this guy, man. And miraculously, no one gets bitten until out of nowhere again, a zombie teleports and bites not Tobin. I don't know what the fuck his name is, but I thought he was Somebody Tobin. Somebody said, like, David or something. I don't Could know. Could be David. It's not Tobin to me. I'm going to refer to him as such. This. I don't care if you do look it up. He's still not Tobin. <laughs> but at least he's not a baby about it. He actually takes a bite like the... And he's like, I know what this means. And... If so, I were to- not Tobin, I'd be like, what the fuck? That guy came from nowhere. This is bullshit. <laughs> like, this what, zombie what mosquitoes. What are these writers doing to me? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm kind of glad that they don't just immediately kill him, right? He can be useful. Yeah, no. Even and though I like, he's dying and he's, yes. he's, he's committed to a certain death here, he can still help. Them. And he didn't just curl into a ball and scream hysterically. Which is all the more sad because he could have actually helped them like he seems to be one of the alexandrians with his head sure most securely fastened to his body here well it him goes with the and, Rosita Heath theory and that he uh, has something Scott. he has something worth living for and, and that's the fucking thing right like mm-hmm. so david or not 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 tobin not tobin whatever his name is he could have actually helped them throughout this whole scenario uh he gets bit. Heath could have if he hadn't Scott, been a baby man. The Scott whole could have helped him. He gets shot in the fucking leg. Sure. By yeah. the stupidest of the Alexander. I thought Broken Angle Woman actually showed some steely reserve. Those, that steel's not in her ankles, but <laughs> oh, she's no. game. No, you know? she's, she's, she's game for a scrap. But that's the thing. Like, consistently, the the weakest and stupidest among them would take out what I consider the strongest among the Alexandrians. Sure. Sure. And that that is a real shame, and it's probably a theme of this episode. I mean, it, it certainly is with Nicholas. That's something you do in scary movie for a laugh. It's not something yeah. you would do in a show that 15 million people are watching on a nightly basis, hoping for entertainment. You might not. They did. Uh, so Daryl has faith in Abraham and Sasha. They're like, don't leave, don't leave, because we don't have that many backups in this kind of crazy plan. And Daryl's like, yeah, but Alexandria. And he takes off. Now, at this point, they're five miles away from the quarry. Yeah, so th- there's there are a couple of things that, before we get too far into this Daryl stuff, because uh-huh. I know we're going to talk about it, a couple of things that are also weird, like when they're talking about, I think there's a line where he's like, we're moving in the same direction as the herd. Mm-hmm. Eventually, we're going to catch up to something, and Michonne's just like, yeah, we'll deal with that when we get there, but like... What is scarier than the herd? What do you worry about running into going forward? Going forward from your location to Alexandria, you know there's nothing there, no, right? I defy a person to draw a map of of this scenario and explain where think, everybody yeah, is yeah. and where because it doesn't make sense. It doesn't. You're right. What could you possibly run into that's more dangerous than ten thousand walkers? Yeah, it's it's silly. Like that whole line didn't make sense to me. And then like. I, I don't know. Like the herd that they do run into, the the partial. The only thing I can think like of is four or Michonne, five zombies later. I think it's shitty writing, but the only thing I can think of that would save it is Michonne has put two and two together and realized, you know, truck horn ramming some vehicle, maybe ram the wall. The gunfire hasn't gone off, I don't think yet, but like perhaps Alexandria is yeah. under attack. So the only thing more dangerous than a mob of zombies could be living humans taking pot shots at you as you're running from out of cover. But, I guess, but that's where they're headed. I know. They know that's where they're yes, going yes. to end up. Sure. So, like, That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think it solves it, but I'm saying that maybe that's what they're going for. Yeah. So, Coming from Heath, I was disappointed. Uh, Michonne and Glenn's group is in bad shape. They have a bite victim and two limpers. Uh, Not Tobin gives his backstory that resonates with Michonne. So 
there's something that might be an elegant piece of storytelling here. Michonne reacts to this because this is essentially her story. Yeah. But as a Rick and Michonne shipper, I also want to point out that uh, this not Tobin guy falls for this girl who sees her as a as sees him as a human for the first time. It's pretty easy to see the draw uh, the parallels that not Tobin is to this woman as Michonne is to Rick. Okay. Like Rick's the first person, Rick and Carl, the ones that kind of like brought her out of this feral state that she found herself into after being post-traumatic stress from the whole zombie yeah. deal and seeing your friends and your lover and your which child die. Sure. Throws, throws fuel on the fire for shipping him. Yeah. Which probably is, uh, has bad things to say about Jesse's survivability, but you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. I, I'd take, um, I'd take, uh, I'd take one Michonne over a million Jesse's. Yeah. Easily. Uh, so anyway, uh, and I think that's also why, cause she's got this kind of landed fish on a deck expression. Like she's sucking wind this whole time. Like, and I feel like that if it's just, Oh my God, this guy's just like me. There's another realization she's having there. And I think mm-hmm. it might be that she has feeling. I don't know. I'm just, yeah, I sound I'm like such certain. a 16 year old girl. As I'm saying this <laughs> dear diary. But, so today they I saw Michonne fall in love. It doesn't seem like they've addressed that in seasons, right? Like the last time maybe I can think of them addressing it is when, she started to get real close to Carl when they went to go get the uh, the crib for Judith, and like it seems like there Rick, was a lot of acknowledgement there of Rick like, coming Thank to you town for... and being simpatico with Jesse has put this all in the back burner. Yeah, and they they totally haven't addressed that. So maybe I, I'm I th- reaching. I think I, I think maybe you are reaching, but eventually I kind of see that story playing out that way. I just can't explain them. explain what the expression on her face was. Except for her realizing that she need, wants to get back to, at the very least, her people, if not Rick specifically. I don't know. Again, I I don't apologize for being a Rick Bichon, a Raccone shipper. Okay. Uh, so Glenn decides that they need to find a place in this town that we've never heard of uh, to hole and patch up the wounded. And this is going to prove to be a fateful, if not fatal, decision, Jim. Yeah. Uh, but Glenn and Michonne both agree, like, you know, whatever Rick said, that's what Rick said. He don't know the facts on the ground. We're fine. We'll mm-hmm. be we'll be we'll be all right. Uh, there's this conversation between Heath and Nicholas where they reveal that this is the place that Aiden and him fucked their buddies over. Yeah, um, that's you know, that's all last season business. But uh, that means he's going to be the one that has to take point because he's familiar with the town. Mm-hmm. I I think showing up to some place, shitting your pants and running doesn't necessarily make you super familiar at the town, but that actually kind of pays off later in episodes. So whatever. Yeah. And I think maybe there was potentially a little bit of prep. Cause we know like Aaron was a scout, right? So Aaron would probably run around and say, Hey, there's this town. Yeah. Uh, we need to plan a mission out there. Uh, he comes back with kind of a map and then Nicholas like heads up that mission. Mm-hmm. So he would probably be familiar with the map of, but the, the geography d- again, doesn't make sense. Cause we're less, we're much less than five miles from the stone quarry at this point. I think so. It has to they be. said they're halfway back to Alexandria. But, but I'm saying like the, I don't know the people on car and motorcycle was. have been, although they are going at a kind of a shambling pace, they're yeah. still ahead of them. Uh, no, maybe. maybe they're not. But they're also heading away from Alexandria, right? So like, yes. 
I don't I don't know. This geography is really tough to decipher. It's just hard to Because they don't ever tell us what the actual yeah. exact plan is. Well, here's the other they thing. They just mention, oh, the green balloons, the pink balloons, the right. blue balloons. Right. Here's the thing. Glenn shows up and says, hey, there's no cars in this town. And they pan out to show, indeed, every car's got its like hood propped up as if someone's gone and scavenged through here. Yeah. But we also know the Alexandrians have only been here once and they never went back. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, that's that's my whole argument. That doesn't make sense. Who else is looting this town? That's within the wolves. A stone's full. But the, but the wolves just found out about Alexander. They followed Rick's group a bunch of miles to get there. Hmm. Like it, again, it, just, it doesn't make sense. All the work they did yeah, with the sand trap, the Sarlock pit full of walkers, and explaining how the walkers is like unraveled in a single episode because they're too hmm. lazy to get out a map and I guess plot this action out. Or if they I, had communicated us in okay, any kind yeah, of useful yeah. way. That, that's what I want to say happened. Like, I, I feel like there had to be a thing where we're like, okay, okay, okay. I'm confused, guys. I'm sitting in the writer's room. I'm confused, guys. Uh-huh. The green marker is where, and they had to whiteboard this thing out, right? Maybe. Like, they, okay, g- give me the green marker. Give me, give it to me. Thank you. Write it up on the board. <laughs> give me the blue marker. Here's where the blue marker is. And they had to have a map of some kind because it... They use specific roads, and you can see that they actually do have a printed map of this location mm-hmm. uh, when they're planning this thing in sure. the first place. Like, I feel like that was planned out. They're just not communicating it to us very well. Because they never said where the green marker is supposed to be, where the blue marker is supposed to be. Yeah, so I had I, I got up super early today because I couldn't sleep, and I decided to listen to other Walking Dead podcasts that I've already released, and one of them was Project Fandoms. Did they get it any more than we did? No, in fact, one guy said something really smart. I can't remember which of Nina's hosts it, said it, but he said, you know, I think it's interesting that in Game of Thrones that spans continents and regions that I never feel or rarely feel like I don't know where people are. Huh. Or even in a large-scale battle like Blackwater when people are scrambling this wall and down this stuff. It's like I feel like I know where all this action is and like how The Walking Dead can't keep track of people within a two-square-mile radius Yeah, is kind of amazing. You know, I did have trouble with Game of Thrones. I don't know what his – I don't know either. It is with Game yeah, of Thrones. Sure. Maybe he's read the books. And no, no, I remember the maps and that, that, that. Yeah, my my geography sessions, Wester Westerosi geography geography sessions with you is was in the back of my mind. Yes, because you had to explain all of that to me. Sure. I was like, okay, where where's the Iron Throne? Where is the Iron yeah. Bank? Where is yeah. the Iron Swastika? But I think like where is all this? Shit? To be fair, I think a lot of that stemmed from you having to jump in like on season four. Sure. Without yeah, yeah. like, you because know, I don't care when I'm not podcasting. Sure. Well, I, I for the most say part, that, but I'm saying that like it's different. We've I don't absolutely how, have to know. Like I, <laughs> no, no one can tell me I wasn't a Breaking Bad fan as far as for, until I started podcasting. Yeah, yeah. But it was amazing to go back and see those first three seasons where we weren't podcasting to see how much more detail you get. Surprise, surprise! When you watch yeah. something two or three times and read a shit ton of articles on the internet and have a hundred people email and stuff to you, you know. It's yeah. a different experience and engagement. But if you're that kind of a engaged viewer, and I am, like I've gone through obsessive detail and tried to figure this out, and I can't. I will say that okay. I, I think the 45-minute time thing seemed to track fine okay, Like, which I think they maybe did storyboard all this. They just didn't communicate it very well. Yeah, I think so. Uh, anyway, uh, but uh, that's the other thing. So this, yeah, I already talked about the cars being looted. Uh, mm-hmm. they find Sturgis getting eating, eat, eaten, 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 yeah. Yeah, he's getting eaten by the zombies. <laughs> and, uh, I had this random note in my notes. 
How ticklish is it being stage eaten by a zombie? Because you know, Having like fingers and teeth, gnawing yeah, like you and know, crying you, at you, yeah, and they're like got their face in your armpits, going nom nom nom, <laughs> and it's all fake. And like, how many times do people just like? Because once you get that ticklish feeling, forget mm-hmm. about it. It's like you got to put prosthetics on them. A person, right? yeah, like you need like uh, wear a chest shield or something uh-huh. just so you know you're not going to get uh, tickled. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, they, they, third time I can through. imagine just like we made up this this actor, like. <laughs> We spent four hours in the makeup chair this morning, and he just can't stop laughing. Yeah. Get, his, get him out of here. Get and his zombies could in. fuck with him by going, oh, nom, 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 <laughs> saying a bunch of funny shit. Like, like cookie monstering him or something. And it's also funny on a meta level because I guess cracking up on camera is known as corpsing. Corpsing? Yeah. I don't know why. but I've never heard that term. But yeah, when you crack mm-hmm. up on camera and you break character, it's called corpsing. Because kill the scene? I <laughs> I don't, I don't bet that's what it is. You killed scene, but it's super funny in the Walking Dead context. Like I want sure. now, I want to see a bunch of B roll or a cut footage of extras giggling when they're getting eaten by zombies. Yeah, they go from stage screaming to genuine laughter. Uh-huh. I would watch fifteen minutes. It's of a that. thin line too. Oh yeah, between screaming it's like and laughing. love and hate. Yeah. Uh, so the crew decides to hole up in a pet store, and Heath is still being his weirdly passive-aggressive self to Michonne, who says, look, dude, I'm trying. And he's like, yeah, for now. She's like, all right, well, I'm stopped trying. Here, go outside the pet store. Me and Glenn are going to sprint to Alexandria. You fuckers try to keep up. I, like, are you daring them to? I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Your only hope Heath, if... Heath heard it. So, so Heath heard it before, right? Yeah. And he's... But now got that it. got that rolling around in his head, and he's skeptical that these people have actually decided to help them. Like he's he's waiting for them to. Flee so the solution at any is moment. to antagonize them by calling them the worst person. You know, essentially implying they're the worst yeah. person that you think they are. I know. I'm not sure. Like that's the best call for for Heath at this moment. Yeah. But but he's seething. Like he's seething inside, knowing these people are going to abandon them at the first at the first point of failure, and like. I can see where maybe that might make him lash out a little bit. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I don't know. I, mean, I thought that part worked fairly well. Really, with Heath hearing overhearing this conversation, them not really knowing that he did, and like him being annoyed by that the whole time. I just or feel like super that normally when people you barely know come up and say, you know, you're acting like a douchebag. Like if your best friend says, "Look, man, you're kind of being an asshole." You, yeah. you you pause and take stop and think. But if like someone off the streets like hey, that doesn't know your situation is like, hey man, stop being an asshole. It's like, well, I wasn't being an asshole, but I'm kind of interested in being one to you right now. <laughs> and that's when I don't have a pack of screaming zombies after me. Like hmm. I, yeah. Uh, anyway, I do love the pet store and how they dressed it up. Like they actually put small dog skeletons curled up in the balls at the bottom. It's yeah, pretty, with with. Wow, terrier puppies and big bold. It's like that's some demented shit, man. It is. You you. It paints a picture of people just saying "fuck the pet store," shit's going to hell. Well, I'm would. getting out of here. Yeah, but you like, wouldn't go around unlocking every parakeet cage. No, in the store, not unless your pet detective like scooping out all the right. guppies into a transportable bowl. No, no, no you'd run. But like, yeah. I like how. I don't know. Some maybe the writers are just juvenile because, like, I think that's a funny detail to sweat. Oh yeah. Well, what about the pets? Oh, they'd be dead bodies. Okay, let's make a bunch of gruesome pet skeletons yeah, and, yeah. and have a bunch of make sure people know they're terrier puppies. They're, the not kind just of detail dogs, I like. Pu- yeah, know? they're they're baby dogs and 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 have people like, wow, that's fucked up when you think about it. <laughs> sure. And there'll be at least one podcaster just sitting there watching on a Tuesday morning, being like, wow, that's really <laughs> fucked up. The other thing I noticed, 
is when they're standing around in the street talking. Yeah. And these guys have their guns drawn. Uh-huh. Gun shake is real, man. These guys are standing around, like, shaking the guns in their hands. Like, every once in a while, when they go to speak their line, they'll shake the gun. And Really? Watch for it. It'll destroy your viewing experience, but watch for it. Both Heath and Dickless are doing it in that scene. I guess that's fine, because... It's just a tick. It's like a yeah. an acting tick that it seems like most of these people have. Yeah, but it's like... Uh... Any show that deal, deals this with, with with gunplay should have someone advising them and teaching them basic. Oh, I don't think it's a safety problem. I think it's just funny I know, to watch it the actors. It kind of is when you just shake. Yeah, but I they mean. all have their fingers off the trigger. So oh, okay. like, all all doing the safety thing with just your finger on the side of the gun, right? So they they know what they're doing, but they don't realize they're shaking the gun. I'm certain. Well, I mean, yeah, but it's like it's funny because like in season two during the Rick classic Rick Tater speech, you had Sheriff Rick Grimes gesturing with his gun at his own family members like just just sweeping <laughs> yeah, the barrel yeah. over it's like come on man uh-huh. i don't care how crazy he is he's not gonna do that uh so glenn decides that we need to buy rick more time and also buy alexander more time by setting fire to a building so that was the key to it right buying rick more time yes like i was starting to call bullshit on this whole thing before i realized that's what he was doing yeah and nicholas agrees to take point because he's the one that's got any experience at all being in this town and he does have a good suggestion which is to go after the feed store because you know i'm thinking sure you can burn a feed store down to the ground like you might get a grain silo explosion it's like there's all kinds of things in the mix and fertilizer sure i thought how that turns out is super clever Uh uh-huh yeah like Okay, so your best candidate for burning let's has head, already burned. Let's head to the that garage. That makes total sense. Yeah, first target, let's go to a garage. I, I remember a stack full of empty gas cans and oily rags and yeah. hay bales. Oh, fuck, it's birthday. Let's go to the feet. Yeah, sure. Exactly. Makes total sense, and it was smart. And Glenn, before they go, has to do one thing. And he, I thought he was making like a Maggie shrine. He's because just pulling everything out of his pocket. He's just pulling everything right? out of his bag. One of it is the keys to Maggie's vagina, of course. The, the pocket watch. The pocket watch that Herschel threw to him back in season two. His maybe. compass, I think, maybe. His compass. And then he finds the CB, and he radios Rick what they let him know what he's trying to do. Yeah. Uh, which Rick is Jason Bourne-style running through packs of zombies, slicing him, dicing him, cutting his finger, which weirdly kind of hamstrings him. Uh, yeah. But, man, the guy can run. He can, he's a convincing. He he's run, he's yeah. Tom Cruise levels of running in this in this episode. Pretty pretty good. Yeah, I man. So I don't think the Alexandrians could have kept up with him. Oh God, no. For one, he can't really have Glenn go with him because that removes ninety. Sorry, not ninety percent, fifty percent of the badass from the other group. Because then it just leaves Michonne as the only badass protecting these people. You know what, though? That might have been interesting. If Rick, if, if you want to go full on that, then, then have Rick and Glenn and Michonne say, we're splitting up and we're going to deal with this threat. All you guys got to do is get back to town. You know where it's at, run in that direction. And just, just leave them It would to be their own a lot less annoying to see a group of native Alexandrians because then, yeah. like, okay, Heath and this not Tobin guy could distinguish themselves against the useless backdrop of the others. And then they have a real moral dilemma. And maybe Heath's character arc is he understands what Rick meant because he actually had to live it. Like it'd been like, what if Heath huh. starts from the very beginning? Hey man, you're just going to leave us. And Rick's like, you know what? That's what you think. There's Alexandria and me and Michonne and Glenn got shit to do run. And then I watch, mean, that would kind of prove his point though. Right. If, but, but watch Heath come to the conclusion all. that like, he's trying to save them all, but you just can't, how are you going to save a guy like Sturgis? He's an yeah, idiot. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, that might have been interesting, but they didn't go in that direction. Um, instead, they got Glenn and Michonne doing kind of an extremely half-assed patching job on this wounded guy's leg. It's a single roll of gauze over his bullet hole. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to hold you till the till the infirmary guy. Sure. Uh, it, it is smart of Glenn to, though, to empty his pockets because, like, sure. he's going on a dangerous mission. He, they could probably use this stuff. And we see throughout this episode what we presume they've been doing all along is when somebody dies or they kill a walker or something, they search pockets, that they was pull cool everything too. out. Uh, even yeah. Rick, when he was going through, yes. and he, he was looting en route. Yeah, doing some, I don't know, micro-looting, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so then both the wounded guy and Annie, who's the broken ankle girl, volunteer to get left behind, which kind of legitimately blows Heath's mind. He's like, wait it a second. blew my mind, too. That, well, I, I don't know why. Like... Because I've got a sprained ankle. I'm not going to volunteer to die. She literally has a sprained ankle and is ready to just give up and die. Especially since they just established that they were having no trouble staying. The only reason they stopped was not because they were progressively gaining on the walkers. The reason they stopped was because this guy was bleeding out. Yeah. Yeah. I... So broken ankle... Sprained. Broken is too severe. Sprained ankle girl. Yeah is not going to give up and die just because she has a sprained ankle. Yeah, I guess. But they were, I mean, this was a direct retort to Heath, like, you know, Heath's sitting there like, what the fuck? These guys are on board with Rick's leave me plan. You know, maybe that was the point. They were doing extra early because they're being selfless. And he's like, I don't, this does not compute. Why? I didn't know you could not be a selfish, entitled twat. So so it's the one-two punch of that and Michonne's speech to him that finally get it across. Yeah. I guess. Um, and he's like, no, man, that's not how we do. We we have each other's back like always, except for when, you know, Dickless and what's his face decide to betray us all. But yeah, whatever. He doesn't know about We've that. We've come to expect that. from Although him. even Nicholas told him like at this point, he's he's buying a fiction that's already been refuted by the people that authored the fiction themselves. Like, no, that's not what happened. We cut and run. The brave mm-hmm. people stayed, died. Yeah. Which is yet another thing, like, ding, ding, ding. Like Sometimes you have to cut and run. It's a smart thing to do. It's not about being brave, but coming from, a, I guess, an avowed coward, it's even a stronger point. Well, I, I bet they both feel differently about it. I mean, Nicholas being yeah, the true. one who perpetrated it probably feels like shit. Sure. I mean, we know he does at the end of this episode, certainly. So at this point, Michonne calls Heath out and is like, I'm tired of this bullshit. I'm doing everything I can for you people. And uh, it's the old you haven't been out there versus I'm a naive idiot argument. And it's a pretty yep. nice scene from Michonne. Oh, but yeah. it just as a result makes Heath look stupid. I, I just hope this is the last time. Like she shut it down. All the Alexandrians who are left know what's up. Let's just get past it, people. You know, we need like You're shaking your head like it's not going to be. <laughs> I'm just saying, like as I as we do this podcast, I get I, I start to get a feel for like deja vu of things we've said. Yeah. And I feel like we need in the background, like you know, when you go to an industrial place and it says there's been so many days without an accident. Mm-hmm. Everything we tie every single time we say, hopefully this will be the last time. Yeah, we should take that off and say it was. It's been zero episodes since we've bemoaned the plot devices on The Walking Dead. I wonder what the record would be. Because I know time. we've said, I hope this is for the last time, at least three times this season. And this has been a good open for a season by any, yeah, yeah. By any standards. So uh, Nicholas, as he's leading uh, Glenn to the feed shop, wants to re-kill one of his buddies who's reanimated from the botched run. 
And he does so, and at this time, they start hearing gunshots from Alexandria, which manages to kick the urgency up a notch. And I'm like, really? You weren't already at maximum hustle with a 10,000-strong herd on your tails? This is, yeah, you know, <laughs> it's kind of like the football players always say. It's like when the people are like, hey, is, you know, there's bad blood in this team. This team. Is, is there any mo- extra motivations like... I don't know, winning whatever game we're trying to, if you're not motivated to get up and play, it's like someone's hurting your fee fees is going to give you that extra motivation. Like, I don't know. I'm in full hate. I, I, I'm full hate podcast mode. So. Oh, I can tell. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Pet Shop Boys decide to get on the move, but it's already too late because now they're kind of surrounded. Kind of, except for again, kind of barely, yeah. We know that the herd is coming. This is the forefront of the herd. It's only going to get thicker and worse from here. And Mr. Michonne says we can't chance it. And they decide to wait until the zombies yeah, move off. I I took one look at both directions of that street outside the pet shop. Yes. And said you could go either direction, frankly. There's nothing stopping you. But the thing is I've she's... seen them kill more zombies in this episode single-handedly than yes. we're in that street total and and again if i give him credit for paying attention to the time which i kind of am michonne said that we're about 30 minutes ahead of the zombies and we're 30 minutes later in the episode and she's saying we sh- we can't chance it. let's wait them out see if they move off that's not going to happen man yeah he's like trying to wait out a fucking dust storm mm-hmm. when it's like it's ne- it if you're going to wait it out you're going to wait the whole thing out yeah and there's no way you're going to be able to wait out a zombie herd in this little shitty pet stop. I don't think. Probably not. Pet shop. I don't, I don't um, know if they have dog food, but. So Rick makes it to the RV. And I thought the walker pile of bodies by the wall that we saw them bashing their heads into was a pretty nice touch. There's some still kind of squirming and whatnot. Sure. It's cool. Uh, back in the pet shop, Not Tobin makes a death note for his wife. A, a dear Alice or Annie letter. Mm-hmm. And Michonne writes back on her arm because they're trying to be quiet, of course. You're you're getting home. Yeah. Uh, which should have told not Tobin he's definitely fucked. <laughs> uh, but now, shit, there's zombies in the pet shop somehow. They've been chilling out while people have been bandaged and having conversations and shouting and, and stage whispering. But now they just decide to stir. Yeah, I don't. This is. Is it because the walkers are headed no. that direction and they hear the walkers like the herd? I, I, I don't Maybe. know because I'm, I'm trying, I'm reaching, man. I know, looking man. for some explanation. I'm just saying that <laughs> these, whatever, man, potentially, these zombies, potentially they hear the herd. Sure. I'll, I'll say that. I'll give them that one. And then the zombies on the street hear the very slight commotion and yeah. now they can't wait them out anymore because the herd is here. Just like I said, like five seconds ago, got to move. So everybody bails out and Annie falls down again. This plan would have been far more successful five minutes ago. Where was where was her help? Where was her crutch to lean on? Well, they had know, one before. Now they're just leaving her to her own devices. Well, they did lose. It was Glenn. It was Glenn who was helping. No, so I was going to say they Glenn lost three Dickless. people. So they had Michonne. no four people. They had Michonne and they had David, and both of them could have carried someone. Wait a second, Dave Michonne and David had uh, shot in the leg prop between the two of them. Yeah, why didn't David carry shot in the leg and Michonne carry? Because he's a big, heavy dude, and he needed more help. I don't know. Might be ankles, and I, there I, they go. I, I, good questions, all. Uh, I mean, he's only shot in one leg. Come the fuck on. <laughs> well, she only has. What one, happened to your other leg? She only has one sprained ankle. I mean, I she never heard of hopping. Uh, 
But anyway, she falls down and demands uh, that they leave her there, and then imp- empties her pistol futilely. Uh-huh. Throw it to one of them. Or... Or blow your brains out. Save one Whatever. shot to blow your brains out. Or yeah. the other thing is, like, there is a chronic lack of mercy killing. I'm way more yeah. upset at the fact that you're going to leave me die screaming mm-hmm. than you might potentially leave me to save the greater good because I can't keep up. Mm-hmm. Like, god damn. It's cold. So Nick and Glenn arrive at the feed store, but guess what? It's already been burnt down by an act of God. That God, he's always trolling folks. He loves to, yeah. Lightning and firestorms and fish natos, zombie natos. He's uh, he's got the trolling turned up to ten on The Walking Dead. Uh, the town is apparently like a goddamn maze because Michonne is going down some back alley off the main street. And have run against a chain leak fence, which everyone managed to scramble over except for Michonne and not Tobin. Which, come on, not Tobin. The guy with the shot, gimpy legs making it up there. You can't haul your giant ass up. Mm-hmm. Tobin doesn't make it. Uh, Michonne does. And again, no one's heard of the concept of mercy killing. They literally just stare at not Tobin getting torn apart on the other side of this chain leak th- fence for a long time. No bullet yep. to the head, no samurai sword to the head, no, no nothing. <laughs> I, I got to say that they, the two dudes at the front, muscled over that fence pretty fast. Even shot leg guy Scott, yeah, yeah. like they good job on them. Yeah, and then I don't, I don't know why, but Michonne just kind of hangs around waiting to get her ankles pulled on a little. And again, the zombies have no interest in biting through clothes when they've got these juicy hams, two pairs of them, just kind of flaunting <laughs> their face. They're no, they're all about pulling down and getting the good part. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, his wife gets trampled as he's getting killed, and again, thanks for the mercy killing, Michonne. I totally believe that you couldn't bite through somebody's boots or jeans, though. And Michonne's wearing like, like zombies wouldn't pants, wouldn't know that, so yeah. they'd probably still be trying to bite through them. But yeah, yeah I I would totally. Buy but not it. Tobin was wearing like khakis. Yeah, yeah, I, I bet they could probably get through that. Yeah. Again, I'm skeptical that these guys' teeth can bite through any layer of clothing. Yeah, well. That's a long-standing complaint between me and The Walking <laughs> Dead. Uh, Nicholas and Glenn meet a similar fate at the end of yet another dead-end alley in this fucking one-horse town. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got zombies on all sides of their fence, and uh, Nick gets this all dreamy. I took a shell too close for comfort on the beaches of Normandy. Uh, kind of look in his eye, and Glenn screams at him enough to bring him out of this deep well of disassociation. And he comes too long enough to say thank you, blows his brains out, which was an effective scene because they showed it from Glenn's point of view, or I guess it's actually they're showing it from uh, Dickless's point of view. But he mm-hmm. gets covered in a mist of blood. That was actually pretty cool. And then somehow he gets tangled up in the body and falls into the herd, and we watch Glenn apparently screaming as he's being ripped apart and his guts are being torn out of his body. And it just cranes up to show us how hopeless his situation is. To let us know okay. that yeah. it's no possible way he can be rescued in this circumstance. There's there's so much here to talk about. Uh, Let's do it. because this... I mean, a lot of it I probably... like A lot of it I'm including in feedback, so I'm not going to talk about is he dead or isn't he and why not. I want to talk more about like themes and... Uh, that kind of stuff, with, mm-hmm. especially as it relates to Dickless. First of all, I I so if if I go into this and I watch and I'm saying, okay, Glenn's dead, hundred percent. Glenn just got torn to pieces and eaten alive. Uh, this becomes a much more effective scene for me. Like I'm I'm looking at Dickless and I'm going, oh my god, okay, so Glenn. 
So this is essentially a repeat. Dickless has he he took Will and whatever crew he was with before, cut and run, got them all killed. Mm-hmm. This time he's leading a mission with Glenn and he fucks up and he gets Glenn and himself killed. He cuts and runs on time. life. <laughs> uh-huh. And manages to get Glenn killed, yes. And gets Glenn killed and like that's kind of tragic because Glenn was trying to save this person. Sure. He was trying to show him how to survive. Yep. He's show doing him that he could thing. be better than than he was and not and that he hadn't killed him when he should have. No, it's a very dark, nihilist take on post-apocalypse morality, but it's kind of interesting. To- totally. I think so. And it's also interesting to just kill a main character no with fanfare. not much fanfare. You get a little bit of Barry McCreary, you know, sad music coming out yep. of commercial break, but it's, yes, it's just matter of fact. But all of that relies on the fact, on a clear death for Glenn. Yes. All of that relies on him absolutely being dead and at the not end of the scene. not making it back. And I probably would have thought that if it weren't for, you know, doing what I got to do as a podcaster, going out and researching, getting emails, like all of this stuff has made me say almost definitively, no, he's not dead. Same here, because mostly what the showrunners themselves have done after the fact, like I get yeah. the talking dead is kind of a bad idea. And we've, <laughs> we've bemoaned it before, like, you know, the fact that they think they can clear up plot points and plot holes and yeah. just by Like, some... I don't want official people involved in the thing. But to get in there and it. talk about Glenn's death and, like, hey, you know, it might not be over. And I just, it's, it's just really poor form. And I don't understand why you would undercut. Like, if you want to troll your audience and fake him out, then fucking fake him out and be like, uh, is Glenn dead? What do you think? Honestly, I wouldn't... What does it look like on screen? Like, I wouldn't show you something that appears that definitive and then say, eh, maybe he is and maybe he is. Yeah. Because to me, that's that's not the same thing as leaving a cliffhanger of how, how he's going to get out of it. Yeah, and the more they talk about it, the more certain I kind of became, the more angry I got about the way they're handling this. Like, And again, a lot of this comes down to Talking Dead, the existence of the show. Um undercut yeah. its narrative and this time it undercut in a big way and then they couldn't leave well enough alone because they kept talking about it and to me it's like you throw a gr- i think it's poor form to throw a grenade like this to the audience so it's a huge event right like that's but that's if you a do problem. it just let it let it detonate man yeah like don't go back and try to do a bunch of double talk and just say no it. comment yeah no comment yeah. i'm literally i'm george r, r. martining it i'm not going to say sure a damn thing about what happens yeah or Sorry. lie yeah. Like that's that's the oh, thing. Rick's gonna fly in on a squirrel suit, or and just say no definitively. Like if you're trolling the audience oh, already, yeah. you're lying. You are lying to us with the pictures you're putting on the television. If yes. Glenn's not dead, yes. So just keep lying, and that's what just I don't keep like. Lying. I don't like to feel that I'm being lied to. Like, yeah, that's no. that's the thing about you know your usual suspects yep. problem versus the sixth sense. Yes. That's the thing that Breaking Bad never did to me. Like yes. Like I said earlier, all these shows that I'm thinking of, they never lied to me. They they showed me clear motivations and things that actually are happening. And now they might leave it like a little early mm-hmm. and say, will he will they be able to get out of this scenario? And if so, how? But they never say he didn't get out of this scenario and then say, well, no, he did. Well, it's like come back next two episodes from now and say, no, that's he the got out. In the cliffhanger, like, you know, Picard yeah. getting abducted by the Borg perfect example of a great cliffhanger because it's at the end of the season yeah there was actually i think uh, if i remember correctly i was sweating bullets because there was like con- patrick stewart's contract was up that year ah, yeah yeah and they hadn't announced whether he was renewed or not so it's like this could be an interesting way to write him out of the series with the big bad 
uh, Borgifying him and Riker ha- establishing Riker as a badass captain if he's able to defeat the Borg anyway, and then they go on without Patrick Stewart. Um, that's genuinely gripping if you're a Star Trek fan, circa 1989. Uh, it'd be so fundamentally different if like so the Borg disintegrated Picard in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> and then they said, oh, that was actually a transport array or yeah. something that they were doing. Or if they had shown 15 Borgs surrounding him with their claws out, yeah. ready to ready to Even then, Borgify him, and then they come back next time, and, he's, and oh, no, he yeah. got out of it. Data swung in at the last moment and karate yeah. kicked him. Yeah. Like, that's the kind of shit I don't like. Yeah, I mean, they're all cliffhangers of a kind, but one's a little... One has you going down the Batman, the series, where it's like, whatever situation you're in... They're going to yeah. get out and easily and like in the yeah. first frames the next episode, except for we're going to have to wait at least one. The other has you questioning how they're going to get out of it, and it just, like, which I think is a more interesting thing. It makes me disassociate like Nick. Next time someone dies, dies on this thing, I'm going to be like, OK, did I actually see them die? Because yeah. this has happened with Carol. This has happened with Glenn like twice now. This has happened to so many characters where they've done this. Will they? Won't they? Uh, fucking uh, Tyrese. Yeah. You know, gets gets converged on another horde of walkers armed with nothing but a hammer, and they're all around him. And then he just kind of stumbles out of the woods two scenes later. You can't do that that many times before people start just be just not falling for it and getting annoyed. Yeah. And you see so many other people getting ripped to pieces, and I feel like that's another dishonest piece of this is Yes. We see guts coming out of somewhere. Again, they can say uh, it's a straight face. Well, that's actually, you know, guts aren't in people's neck, Jim. Exa- obviously. Exactly. And I said that during the live watch. I was like, okay, well, that's obviously dickless getting ripped open. Yeah. But I I still don't feel... So they never show dickless, right? They're clearly like intentionally if there was, if, trying not to show him and show us Glenn instead. Also, last season, Glenn, when Nicholas jumped him, yeah. got left for dead in an almost impossible situation. This is like the third or fourth time this has happened to <laughs> yeah, Glenn. Yeah, And yeah, like if that... Situ- Whereas like you see Noah being eaten and ripped to shreds, right? So, like, so yeah. That's if, a clear death. If Glenn's getting this ripped up treatment and there's like a half a dozen zombies around him, then okay. And there's no fence, or maybe he yeah. gets away, or someone comes in and saves him. When he has 500 zombies around him, and I'll tell you another thing. I feel like what they're going to do is just have them rejoin the herd I'll tell as it rolls through. Be I'll, like, oh, well, the herd distracted him. <laughs> and he climbed under the dumpster and done. Uh, I'll tell you another thing. Yeah. Nicholas and Glenn race past a very noticeable <laughs> fire escape <laughs> in do. this fucking alley. They do. Just race right past it. And then if we it. missed it the first time, they do a bunch of pans over their back so we can get it and see it again. Yeah. Like, how can you block that shot and not think, oh, we fucked up. We're going to have to take this out digitally and post. Yeah. Or we're going to have to shoot around it. Or we're going to have to find a different fucking alley. They leaned pallets up against it, camouflaging it. Not very well. And I'll tell you another thing. But I don't buy that Glenn would miss that. How did Michonne survive in the wild for so many months and years without being attacked by zombies? How did she do that? Pets. Pets. Mm. The smell of zombies. Uh, how did Glenn famously escape from a building that they're surrounded with brick? Guts. Michonne is sitting there in this building with two dead zombies on the fucking ground. And she's like, you know what? We need to, we need to hold our ground. Yeah. I... I- I don't know, man. I don't know. So Michonne doesn't... Does Michonne know that trick? Michonne... I don't think she would know that trick. It's the pet trick, Glenn would, She knows why it works, because I think there was a discussion, because it's the scent and all that. Yeah, she knows the pets worked. 
I would think that she would be able to put the two. Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe they've never talked about their various <laughs> yeah. zombie survival strategies. And uh, I, I feel like they actually had a conversation about the smell and all that. But maybe she doesn't put mm-hmm. two and two together. I just. But Glenn's in that building for a while. Well, and again, Glenn races past a fire escape, and now maybe the yeah. producers of Walking Dead will be like, "Well, then he's stuck on a fucking building." That but is way better than it's being way stuck. better than getting stuck. You can on, go down the other side. You can go down the other side. You can jump from building to building. Maybe you can you 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 fight and live another day when you get up on this trash can. It's all over. Yeah. But yeah. and then here's I'll tell you another thing. Okay. So Glenn and they make it sh- they they make it clear that instead of just jumping right up on this, Glenn and Dickless go into a desperate last ditch fight to save their lives. They fight and shoot all their bullets. And then every single one of their they, bullets. They, yep. And then they then they go to knife and they take these zombies knife to knife and they barely make it to the jumpster. With what bullet did Nicholas blow his head off with? The magic bullet. <laughs> it's complete because I, I so I don't know if they intended for him not to use all of his bullets. If he doesn't use all of his bullets, why does he pull out his knife? Also, the sound guy fucked him. Why? Because the sound guy puts in a couple of chicks. Aha. And and you and while those sound effects are going off, you see Glenn not firing his gun. You see him with his gun pointed at the ground, not pulling the trigger. So you know that it's Nicholas who is out of bullets at the very least, and then he blows his own head off with a fucking magic bullet like a I mean, ready like, player well, maybe, one maybe, teleporting maybe bullet shit. up there uh, well we didn't see it maybe he pulled out a whole lot piece well why didn't you use that instead of his knife like yeah it just doesn't it's just lazy and dumb completely completely <sighs> yeah i'm i'm <laughs> the more we talk about it this the more angry i'm getting about this whole ending of, of this episode and again, I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. They, they're getting, I think they're getting the desired effect because everybody's worked up about it and everybody, like, there was all the reaction. Yeah. There are all the reaction shots. They even did the reaction shots on the on the Talking Dead where they were showing people the episode and they had, like, night vision cameras oh, set up. I hate that shit. Watching dudes cry. I don't give a fuck what someone else, how someone else reacts to a scene. Well, that might be because you're a cyborg, but. It is weird to see a guy like me, big dude with beard. It's funny if it's like an eight-year-old. It's not funny when it's a grown-ass man going, (gasps) I do think that the the Red Wedding has ruined the internet with this because now every single time some big moment, now fucking The Walking Dead producers Well, it's PewDiePie, too. PewDiePie started this whole reaction uh, horror cam. Yeah. Uh, No, (laughs) they Yeah, I don't. I hate those things. Those reaction videos. Well, they're getting in on. I'm like, they're so they wanted all this. Actually, to happen. it's the ring. I think it was the ring that started it. Really, Ringu. Yeah, you had a lot of little Japanese girls reacting to, like, watching this movie, and then they they had like this this girl in the well kind of come out of the TV. Uh huh. Sure. Adam, awesome. and they all freaked the fuck out. And, they're and I think that like film. was kind of the genesis of that idea. But huh. I don't know. Yeah, I always think it's dumb because now it seems like a thing to do to advertise horror movies. I've seen this in like three or four different ones is yep. to have the night vision of people, of an audience member reacting. In and the like, theaters, sure. Why does that make me want to go see it? It doesn't. It doesn't make me want to go see it. <sighs> yeah, anyway. It makes me roll my eyes. So let's move on. I think we ripped this thing up, apart at least as much as Nicholas did. Uh, Michonne and Heath are taking Wounded Guy back home, and it's a slog because they've lost everyone despite their best efforts. Michonne's rightfully worried that there's no smoke yet because Glenn said from the beginning, if there's no smoke, that means they're probably fucked up. And uh, Heath is trying to say, oh, maybe it's not that bad. And also, I I thought it was funny that she almost superstitiously smears the ink message of hope that she wrote to not Tobin. 
Like they're talking about, you know, the smoke and what it might signify. It? And she's like, well, I want to, I want to write off this thing where I was talking like, you know, you'd be, you get oh, home. Yeah. Hmm. You, I didn't, I didn't even see that. Oh yeah. No, she, she rubbed that little ink message off of her arm. I was too busy taking notes, I think. While Heath is crossing the river, uh, this creek, he gets to see his blood spattered face and flashback to Michonne's crazy talk about, and so you're in a situation where you got blood on your face. You don't know if it's from you, your friends, now you or know. a zombie. Now you know now, what it's like, Heath. Now he knows, and he realizes yeah. what a stupid ass he's been this whole episode. <laughs> and I got to see his stupid ass transformation. I feel so blessed. Uh, it's good though. If, if it's the last time they deal with it, I'm I'm okay. Oh, like, oh shall it. I flip our sign? It's been zero episodes <laughs> since we said it's the last time. If it's All the right. last time, I, like I think they needed to learn a hard lesson, and this is the first time they've been out of the community. No, I, I'm okay with it. Every fucking Alexandrian has to learn this lesson. They've made it clear. And there are none left that haven't learned the lesson, <laughs> so we're good. This is the last time. Uh, I don't know. One of them kitchen bitches might be oh, still alive. Oh, no. Ron's going to have to learn his lesson. Ron's going to have You're right. He's going to have to learn his lesson. He uh, hasn't learned his lesson, Jim. He hasn't. You're right. Uh, Rick tries to raise the alarm. Or wait. Uh, Rick tries to raise anybody on CB, but it's just static. And he's like, oh, shit. Because... From Rick's point of view, he could be the last man on Earth right and now. And he sees no smoke, right? He sees no smoke. He knows what that means. Which means they're still coming. And then and then Fa- Daryl finally picks up, and Sasha immediately jumps in and tries to shame him. Like, yeah, that's right, Daryl. Daddy's coming <laughs> home. He's on his way home right now. And wait till he finds out what you've done. He's going to get the belt out. He's going to get the belt out. Uh, so then Rick gives – he actually has a pretty insightful speech here about, you know, we got to keep going forward. We're going forward for them. And them is different from everybody there. Like, you know, for him, it's Carl and Judith. And yeah. for Abraham, it's probably uh, Rosita. And and for Sasha, it's, I don't know, her sense of community and just living. But the it, tower. But just yeah. The tower itself. Uh, but he says, if we go back before this job is done, that's to make us feel better. It's mm-hmm. not, you know, because, again, they're trying to lead this that's for giant herd. I, I thought that was really, really good. It's too bad that there's so much shit sandwich in between there. <laughs> Uh, and I guess, and it works too because Daryl turns around. But did I thought it would be more effective if that actually did convince Daryl? I don't think Daryl actually turns around until he hears gunfire in the CB, mm, which okay. kind of muddies the him caring about Alexandria versus his personal connection to Rick kind of thing. Which you know, whatever this episode's a fucking train wreck. Well, so I mean, Rick's argument is, I don't know. It's a tough call because, like, he might be able to say, well, me going back and kicking some ass and dealing with whatever shit's going down in Alexandria is also for them, right? Like, but he had I, arguably I the most important job of keeping the most of the herd, and Rick had a second most important job now of getting the herd diverted back. Well, okay, so here, let's talk a little bit about that plan because I think that is strange, too. So Rick doesn't want any... First of all, Rick wants redundancy in this plan, right? Mm. He sends Sasha and Abraham and Daryl. Okay. It's not like and Sasha's like telling Daryl, look, if you leave us, they'll they'll get us or whatever. Like they they could stop us. Well, yeah. that's gonna happen with Daryl there anyway. Cause not put I don't know. So so he wants redundancy in that part, but when he goes to get the RV, he's like, No, I can do this. I can do this myself. What if he gets killed? Well, there goes fucking Alexandria. Good job, Rick. Yeah. It Whereas if you took one other person with you, they could drive the RV. 
Like you get killed, yeah. No. There's still another person to go help you with your. But mission. again, making up on the on the seat of his pants, I think we're beyond redundancy. Like these are Arma- these are all Armageddon scenarios. But yeah, I guess if he doesn't give a shit about these people going back, yeah, you're right. No, I you should take at least one other person with him. I don't care who it is. Yeah, except don't take Sturgis. I don't know. This is another one of these An- uh, Angela Kang episodes. He, she's the one that he, who wrote like one episode of the Terriers and then a lot of episodes of The Walking Dead. I don't um, recall which, having a big problem with her. Episodes. Nah, she's I done thought, some shitty ones back in season three and four, I think. But I no, she's at this point she's written like a dozen too. episodes. And Michael yeah, yeah. Slovis was the director. Oh, this, know him this from Breaking Bad. cinematographer on Breaking Bad. So it's like yeah. I know he knows how to frame a shot. It's stunning to think that he looked down the glass and like, hey, there's a fire escape that they're running back here in this scene I'm filming. Ah, fuck it. Maybe maybe it was supposed to be fixed in, in post or editing and they just didn't do it. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Because it's like he's got a pretty good eye for film. Yeah. yeah. And for yeah. for shots and communicating visually. I, didn't, I, don't, I don't know, man. Uh, so... Yeah, Daryl Daryl decides to come back eventually because Rick gets ambushed by some wolves who have a gun courtesy of Morgan. This is the result of all the morgalizing last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daryl hears the gunshots. Seems like he doesn't know what to do. Rick, Rick quickly gets the upper hand uh, on the wolf pack. This, this was awesome. I liked all of this stuff. I did. And he discovers like this telltale stash of baby food in the wolves pack, which to me communicated that these guys came from Alexandria, which makes his speech about yeah. we're doing this for them more poignant. Because for all he knows, Alexandria's burnt to the ground. Yeah. And his own house has been plundered. Sure. And uh, and his kids have been killed and all sorts of shit. And he <laughs> epically heads off a follow-up ambush from the wolves by seeing him sneak up in the rearview mirror. And he just perforates the side of the RV where they're standing mm-hmm. with his assault rifle, kills them all. That was pretty cool. Yeah. And this is all interspersed with Daryl riding hellbent for leather someplace on his motorcycle. And I think we're meant to believe that he's actually going back to save Rick, his best boyfriend. But it turns out he's going back. Rejoining the mission. Yeah. Michonne and company arrive at Alexander to kind of survey the devastation. They see the truck crash against the walls and there's stuff that's smoking and uh, it's pretty, pretty desolate. Yeah. We know the situation has been handled already. Uh, Daryl reunites with Abraham and Sasha without any kind of real explanation. So what do you, I mean, what do you think about that? What was it? The combination of Rick's speech and then him getting gunshot, which I feel until Rick gets on and says, I'm okay. Then it's even more important for Daryl to get over there. Cause maybe someone needs to drive the RV and or be the bait with the motorcycle to head off the path. I don't, I don't know. I think Rick's speech just worked. Like, mm-hmm. he's like, okay, let Rick handle himself. The editing sucked because the way yeah. they did it, his speech came way before Daryl's eventual change of heart, which was ambiguous until the very end. And yeah. the more I think about it, it doesn't really make sense. <laughs> so we cut back to Rick, and he can't get the RV to get started again. And he's fucked because there's no <laughs> Glenn or Dale to fix this fucking thing. Yeah, they're done. The herd catches up to him right about now, and we pan up, up, up to see the RV slowly, but not quite, being being half encircled. Yeah, I like the shot. Zombies. This this is the this shot. This is the cliffhanger that you want. Yeah, yeah. This is not Glenn being stuck under a pile of zombies. This is a terrible situation for our hero, but you can see some obvious avenues of escape. But you know he doesn't want to escape because if he does. He's blown the mission. He's blown the mission. So yeah. what does he do? I'm actually involved. Does, and how long in does he sit in that RV trying to start it as they come in the door? Yeah. 
Like, I mean, close the door, first of all. Sure. He just left the door wide open. Sure. Come on. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that is a much better place to leave the episode than a swarm of zombies eating yeah. or, or not eating Glenn. That's all I got to say about okay. the episode and the recap proper. We spent a lot of time on that. I don't know how it happened, but we have a lot of feedback. Okay. Well, good. I like feedback. Before we get into feedback, we've got a sponsor to talk about. Oh, uh, that's always nice. Harry's.com. Harry's is a shaving site where you can go. You can either sign up for like recurring uh, shipments where they'll send you razors each month to keep you stocked, or you can individually buy stuff there. Um, I've been using Harry's for, I think it's about a year now. I, yeah, I'd say. it's been, It's been a while, um, and I've always been really impressed with the quality of their stuff. Like I've tried other subscription services for shaving and they have not been near the quality of harry's uh and i i really like them um they they've been doing this thing where they'll they'll have a kit set up for you where Mm -hmm. you can get like the the handle you can get a bunch of blades and you get like a shaving cream and an aftershave lotion which smells really great smells nice does it feel nice it feels really great too yeah Mm. um but you can go there right now and get that kit which is normally 15 bucks for $10 if you go there and use our offer code, which is BALDMOVE, all caps. Yep, got to scream it right through your keyboard. Yeah, BALDMOVE! Uh, and that's harrys.com, H-A-R-R-Y-S. Uh, you know why they're they're so good? Their why? quality is so good? Because they bought a German factory to make these blades. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. They actually it's... melted down a whole bunch of surplus World War II Panzer tanks. So you're getting like the best German steel. <laughs> they did. I mean, they it, did. They might as well you get a good use for them. And the reason everything is so cheap is because they cut out the middleman, right? They don't have to have some factory upselling them on their blades and all that stuff. They just, they just cut in them case out. Harry does listen to this, that's, that's, that, that thing about the German tanks is super lie. <laughs> it's like a. Uh, lying underneath Nicholas Corpse screaming death kind of lie. Yes, but the German factory and That's legit. And the cheap prices are not. Yeah. The the inexpensive nature of, of Harry's, the the good quality, not a lie. So if you go to Harry's.com right now and use the coupon code BALDMOVE, all caps. BALDMOVE! You get five bucks off your starter set or five bucks off your order, whatever you want. Check it out. Do it. We start off with Aaron T. Uh says I just finished the latest episode. He's going back to last episode to talk a little bit about Enid, uh, potentially being a wolf. He says, I just finished the last podcast, wanted to write in and say why. Unfortunately, I think Jim is right about Enid. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. I yeah, hate why I hate, she's a wolf. I, I personally hate you for this. All right. Well, <laughs> strap in, buddy. Uh, the, re- the reason is this show's tired history of forcing redemption arcs time and time and time again. Logically, Aaron, you were right. Aaron, you were right. Uh, Enid should not be a member of the. Oh, Wolves. I broke the I broke the Aaron Wall this this right up front of the podcast. I don't know why I did it. Yeah, I don't know. But whatever, my secret's out. Oh no, <laughs> I don't think it was that well kept anyway. It was like Rick's secret uh, in this episode. Uh, Enid should not be a member. Hey of the man, Wolves. if Superman could be Clark Kent with a pair of glasses, I can be Aaron with just a period in my name. Okay, that's all I need. You're right. It's not the same guy. Uh, but the mediocre writers couldn't resist putting in the trope of a character who betrays a group then feels bad about it after falling in love with a member of the group and then wants the group to forgive them for said betrayal. So let's go through the list of people throughout the show have betrayed the main group or made huge mistakes endangering the group and then have sought forgiveness. In no particular order, Eugene, Abraham, Fistbump, Carol, Bob maybe? I don't know. Uh, I'm sure no, there are Bob others missing. Bob fucked him over for alcohol. Gabriel, my yeah. God, Gabriel's number one on the, with a bullet. Yeah. Hopefully Cur- bullet right through his head. Then he goes, current redemption arcs are Gabriel ah. and Dickless. Well, 
Thickless is done for, but this email came in before this episode. Which, we didn't actually make that point, but this undercuts his redemption arc. Completely, yeah. Completely. Well, so it was... Yeah, it if turns Glenn, it no, from... If Glenn survives, there is no point to his redemption arc at all. It's just a pointless thing with no payoff. You're right. Because Glenn was wrong. He knows it. Shame on him. He's going to survive anyway. Yeah. No, you're totally right. It takes all the teeth out of that. Uh, he says, both of which make no sense, uh, as they should have been either executed or banished for their acts. Kind of agree. I predict they will predict they will both either be forgiven or die during the process through a redemptive act. You're half right. He says, I hope myself and Jim are wrong, but clever, creative, and unpredictable storytelling is not this show's strong point. Yeah, I just, I don't see, I see zero evidence other than a potentially dodgy edit on her dialogue, which that last episode had a couple of weird interruptions, like Jesse and Ron arguing, and this show has never been the most slickly edited thing ever. That's the only evidence that she is a wolf. All right, well, Jack's going to weigh in on it a little bit. Uh, And it kind of more on your side here. Uh, Given her comment to Carl, that's how we were able to something. I initially thought Enid was a wolf, but then I thought, if she's a wolf, why didn't the wolves go for the guns in the armory first? Why did the wolves who were confronted by Morgan seem spooked by we have guns? Also, if Enid was a member of, oh God, Twilight reference, Team Jacob. Team, really? He's the buff, not sickly looking one. Wolf people, like, sure, I get it. Uh, Why did she still have the keys during the invasion? When she hands them to Carl, she says, didn't want them to have them. I think that's explained by her change of heart. Like her... Her, oh my God, I've fallen in love with Carl. We kissed in a tree, and now I don't want him to die. That sort of thing. But she's talking like, I guess Carl, then your interpretation is he's cutting her off because he doesn't want to hear it. He he doesn't want to know that the woman he uh, locked lips with in a rotten tree is secretly a wolf. No, I think he just cuts her off because he has other things to say. Yeah. <laughs> Which is unfortunate Boo. because it's not great writing. Boo. Uh, this leads me to believe that Enid is a double agent like Richard Burton in Where Eagles Dare. I've never seen that. Mm. Uh, seems she is playing all sides, just surviving somehow. I kind of like that theory, you know? Yeah. Like if I she mean, is a wolf, she's coming to this community and now she's just doing what she's done all along, which is just survive somehow. Having seen this episode, it wouldn't be the worst thing uh, to have her be a wolf, <laughs> but I still think y'all are region. Okay. Uh, and then he talks about the A stamp. Uh, as to the A stamp yeah, on that up. Yeah, that Carol saw on the porch, isn't that the stamp in episode 13, Forget, from last season? Uh, after Rick is stamped, Jesse tells him, you are officially one of us. So is that what Sam is saying to Carol? You are officially one of us. Yeah, it's weird because I still want to make the same point that I don't. The thing I bitched about is like this red stamp seemed like it came out of nowhere and was ambiguous. Um and I didn't know, and I, you know, a lot of people are like, "Oh, what's the stamp he's stamping everybody's hands with?" Yeah. Even re- even recognizing that, I didn't immediately go to like, "Oh, now you're part of Alexander, and what does that mean to Carol?" So I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I needed a last episode, or that should have been in the previously ons at the front. Um, yeah, I I honestly had forgotten about yeah. the meaning of that stamp. Yeah. So I'm glad that. Jack wrote in and let us know. Yeah, I, there's a bunch of people, um, at least on the forums, I, uh, I feel like, that was reminding us of that. Yeah, I felt like I really fell down on that. Especially, right. I had no excuse. I hadn't disengaged the episode. I love the last two episodes. All right, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give a listener a little chance to just kind of say how they felt about Glenn's death and how they enjoyed it. Okay. Uh, and I don't think this is a Twilight reference, but his name's Edward. <laughs> Edward. <laughs> Edward C. No, no. From Pacific Northwest. 
<laughs> Definitely not. He says, fuck, I felt Glenn's death coming this episode as soon as he started getting all heroic. I actually cried when it happened and was hoping this was a dream. Classic, Edward. I really think this show is going for some awards this season. So Edward loved it. It's he loved it. Uh, you guys need to calm down about the awards, though. It's not. They're not going to. It's not going to happen. I mean, maybe they're going for them, but a technical it's not, awards. I don't like, think it's going to happen. I mean, they are pulling out of stops for the Nicotero. The, the makeup. He's going to win one. The visual effects. Yeah, I can see it getting getting some some buzz. I think it's some stiff competition with Game of Thrones, man. No, I, I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, almost, it's hard to think of a category where, and there's so much good television. Like, I can see makeup getting. An award, but n- probably not visual effects. Because he got hard home. Yeah, like that's going to be hard to beat. Hard home was a, a better executed version of the Corey scene, and it's just and not and that's saying nothing that, that that I really enjoyed episode six hundred one. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I I I'd set uh, I, I'd calm down on all that because you're going to be disappointed come Emmy time. Okay, well, time to disappoint a lot of people who like this episode. Uh, we're we're moving into. <laughs> The Glenn section of this thing. Uh-huh. Tanya says, I'm I'm not want to say I told you so, especially when I'm so utterly heartbroken, but come on. Couldn't we have given Glenn one more episode to stop being so goddamn nice? I think Tanya is the one last time who said he needs to, like, slap a baby or something. Yeah. To, to keep from being the good guy who's going to get killed. Yeah. The moral center, again, yes. the, the moral center of the show. Uh, she goes on, I mean, we all know that no good deed goes unpunished, but is that really supposed to lessen the blow of the way Dickless straight up killed Glenn by even being more Dickless than we could have possibly imagined? Sure. It kills me. Sure. And the worst part is no one will know. They'll just keep looking for him and hoping he'll show up, but he won't. Uh, he won't even get the dignity of a proper burial. Glenn deserved a proper burial. Damn it. Well, the good news is we know Maggie does really well with theoretical death. Like, if you're just probably dead right. off somewhere, it's fine. If she knows you're for right. sure, that's when she throws, you know, she just loses her shit. <laughs> yeah. She throws a rod out and it's like, ah. Uh, so maybe she'll do it's well true. in the post Glenn ambiguous future. Aaron S. says, I hope I'm wrong, but I've watched the scene where Glenn gets killed several times this evening. And I believe they're going to pull some serious bullshit regarding Glenn's death. We never get a clear view of Glenn being torn apart, and when the camera pulls up, we only see walkers eating around Glenn's legs, which is where Dickless' body would have been. I think they will have him either crawl under the dumpster or some ridiculous deus ex machina scenario. Again, I hope I'm wrong, but I refuse to believe that this show grew some balls overnight to kill the main character like that. So that's one theory, right? He's going to climb under the, under dumpster. the dumpster, which I think I think they set it up so there's room for him to do that. So that's his version of the tank. It would. So yeah. I did notice that. Did you hear that Glenn said called Rick over the? I've got. Oh, I got feedback on that. Oh, over the CB what, asshole or whatever. Dumbass. Yeah. Dumbass. Which echoes deliberately, and yeah, it would be kind of cool because remember Glenn has a CB. Mm-hmm. It would be interesting to have him hold up under that thing and Rick surveying it, and they have maybe a, a decent chunk of an episode devoted to how they could save Glenn. But I. Honestly, I want to see that at the end, right? Like, I want to see Glenn shimmy under the dumpster and be stuck under there. And yes, go, oh my god! I agree. No, I'm How not taking back anything I said about the way they staged and the way they've handled this. But I'm saying that that will take a significant amount of sting off of if they do kind of mind that history to to turn the tides on them. I think that and would I think be kind of cool. They've been they did a lot of that this. This episode, I'm going to move That's on. That's the to one Max. that I caught myself. I forgot to mention the notes, but yeah, yeah. Uh, Max from Winnipeg, I, I think. He's either going to point this out or something similar. Um, 
Glenn isn't dead. Obviously, I know this, but I don't know this, but hear me out. Like you stated in your Instacast, it's quite possible that Nicholas fell on top of Glenn. Uh, Glenn and Nicholas killed a ton of walkers, and Glenn could have easily fell on top of them. Glenn got a protection sandwich from Nicholas' body, providing the guts the zombies were eating, and the zombies they killed masked Glenn's scent. So that's the other theory is oh they're gonna yeah, rip, a combination yeah, rip sure. his guts out and it's gonna get spill all over glenn's face and they're not gonna eat him because they don't know he's there although uh, which is also smell the like a yummy human not a disgusting zombie yeah i i would think so like that that freshly uh-huh. uh pulled guts that'd be like I, if I a think... cow tries to hide from me by slathering a1 sauce on him nope sorry cow yeah like i, I think somebody in an email <laughs> called it like said it would just be gravy to the yeah. zombies yeah uh-huh uh, not masking his sin, and I I think that's probably right. But it is a callback too to the gut stuff from earlier, right? If that's they had that happen, true. So yeah. maybe that's another interesting mirror and callback and all that stuff. Also, he says there's more. Um, the last shot of the RV with Rick was very similar to the last bird's eye view shot of Rick in the tank from episode one, season one. Rick has a radio, so does Glenn. Like you said, uh, Glenn fell behind the group. Obviously, as did Rick. Is it possible that Glenn will get away? and help save Rick yet again. Here, I got it. They're both stuck in the tank situation. Glenn walks Rick on through fixing the RV from underneath there you the go. dumpster. He just yeah, he gets on top of the the hood. Rick fires up the RV, <laughs> plows it into the alley and saves Glenn. Done and done. Yep. Done That's and awesome. done. I There's still it. time for reshoots, boys. Just take a <laughs> long hiatus. We'll see you in February, get it done. Uh, moving on to Bob. He says, Hey guys, just finished listening to your instant take. Have to say that personally, I felt like the death of Glenn was the most impactful to me in the entire series so far because of the fact that it was so out of left field. I agree with a These are the people I really feel sorry for because this guy or is a girl. No, it's guy, Bob. This, this person has been genuinely emotionally affected by this bullshit jerk off. If it is. And then we're tearing it down. Sorry. Sorry to, sorry to do that to you. No, I'm saying, like, he's not a fool for believing that. That's why I'm saying, like, I'd like to say that they are. They're, yeah, yeah. like, they're rubes, but no. they constructed this to make you think that. So you are Certainly. being deliberately practiced on, sir. And you should be outraged when you find out that all this bummed capital you spent was a was a fake out. I would think. Uh, he goes on. I agree with Aaron that it felt hollow, but I think that's what made it hit so hard. It showed how cold of the world, uh, how cold the world of The Walking Dead can be. Totally Tossing agree. a main character into death like a piece of meat. Yep. Or maybe it's just Glenn nostalgia since he's been around so long. I mean, you're forgiven for both. Like, this guy's been around for a long time. Yeah. Maybe that was my big clue that it was a fake out is I didn't, re- I felt strangely unaffected. But I, I feel like that really works if they make it clear that he's dead. Sure. But they don't make it that clear. Because they're tricking us. And which is why I think I subconsciously just like, I'd say. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm having a delayed reaction. I'm, I'm maggying him. Like, until I know for sure, I'm not, I'm going to put off my grief. Speaking of Maggie, he goes on with a, a fairly out-of-left-field question of his own. Also, what do you think about the possibility of Maggie, go, Maggie going to Tara for comfort and those two developing more of a serious relationship? Would Maggie swing that way? I don't... I've never seen anything from Maggie that tells me she's anything but straight. Uh, I don't know if she would change her mind. Uh, like, I'm... I'm not getting that vibe from her, but I mean, there's the concept of like gay for the stay or whatnot. Okay, so, like, so while if, the, while this Walking in, Dead shit going down, situations you wouldn't you wouldn't do that. But if you're in an apocalypse where there's not a lot of eligible people and you have the strong, intense situation you're in, well, that she that was in engender. prison and she didn't do it. So, 
There you go. That would <laughs> maybe engender, but she's also slamming one minute man Glenn on a regular basis. So it's true. Yeah. Uh, up in that tower, man. Yep. They're making a soup kitchen in that tower on a regular basis. <laughs> so I don't know. The show's never never said anything about that as far as Maggie goes. But I think people just want to see girls make out on the show. Probably. And you know, there's there's the internet. <laughs> there is, yeah. <laughs> moving it's on probably to probably even a rule thirty four of it if if you really want to see it. Uh moving on to Brad. He says, if we've been faked out for the death of Glenn, I'm going to be super pissed. In my opinion, clues are pointing to his being alive. He wasn't on The Talking Dead, and his death wasn't mentioned in the memorial segment of the show. But that's, that's, so that's another point, and right? It's, I wonder if that's one of the reasons there's this ham-fisted, mumbly gump about it is because, like, oh, shit, we got The Talking Dead. What the fuck are we going to do? We're not going to show his in memoriam. To me, I'd go, I'd get Stephen Young in there, and I would have him say, yeah, I was like, it was really hard, yeah. and, like, you do it in the memoriam section. You just have, you put him out there, and you have him tell fucking whopping big lies. How pissed does that make everybody afterward, though? I don't know. It's ex- it's it's so they're not in a good position to do this, and this is why you don't do it, right? Yeah. No, I mean, like I said, like I to me, just commit, 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 oh, and then, then people are gonna be so angry. After but you fact. know what? The thing is, if they don't have an awesome way to wrap this up, that's commiserate with how pissed off people are going to be. Then yeah. they should have never done this idea in the first place. So if they're if they're giving themselves enough rope to hang themselves with, and they did that to themselves, so yeah. again, I would commit to the lie, knowing that oh they're going to be super pissed, but wait until they find out what we really do. But again, I'm not. Yeah, just, that, that's probably not it's going to make this. Okay, let me continue reading. His but they episode, had to know. But they here's, uh, the thing that drives me crazy, Jim, is they had to know people would feel this way. Yes, and that when they got faked out on someone as beloved as Glenn, a a a first season stalwart that we've gone through all these arcs with, and they've already kind of jerked us around a couple of times, they had to know. Mm-hmm. So they either thought it's funny in like a giggly kind of troll way, or they just didn't care. But you don't. Or they door number three, the ever elusive door number three. Maybe they actually have something's going to make all this worthwhile. Good luck. Uh, continuing, because he's got one other thing that's that's relevant here. Uh, this is not it, though. On the other hand, they hinted that Maggie may be pregnant, so perhaps they could kill him, but it seems very unlikely given the tone of The Talking Dead. It's even bigger bullshit if the hints from that idiotic talk show basically brought... Hey, hey, we're an idiotic talk show, too. <laughs> basically broadcast the truth of his fake demise. Hopefully he is dead, so I don't feel the need to rage quit the show. Uh, and then his last line, Glenn calling Rick a dumbass like he did back in episode two as a way of pretending, uh, as a way of pretend finalizing the relationship would also be pretty fucking stupid, right? Like, that's another troll moment. Like, oh, let's, let's bookend all of their, all of his story here. And then what do you do when he actually dies, you fuckers? That's what I'm saying. You've, what do you do then? You've kind of robbed the experience a little bit. Yeah. Like, th- this bookending shit is not going to work the next time. No. You've already done it. Yeah. You've already shot your wad, and now you're stuck with a character who you can't kill because it wouldn't. Nobody cares. You know, it's funny because people uh, like. There's two questions that kind of got in the heart of this on our 10 million download Q and A Fiesta Celebration Burrito Town. Yeah, Lori Grimes episode, and they <laughs> said like, you know, if you had a like a Chris Hardwick offer to do something official like The Talking Dead, what would you do? And I can't imagine being Chris Hardwick's like this episode. You, you want to do what now? You're you're going to do this episode, and then you're not going to have Stephen Young on, and then you're going to do it. But oh, like, I mean, contractually, you have to go on there and carry that water. But mm-hmm. you know, I will accuse Chris Hardwick of many things, but 
not having his finger on the pulse of fucking fandom is kind of how he's made his bones these last t- 10 years and more. Yeah. He's got to know exactly he, how this is going to play he's out. He's tuned in. Yeah, he knows. And I, man, I don't envy him. That's what I'm saying. Like, if I was in this position, position, I don't know. I, did you just quit? Because this is going to, this, this goes on you a bit too. Sure. You're going to get four. Ah, just, I don't know. I guess he can always say, I didn't, I didn't know what they were going to die. I had no direct knowledge that Glenn was still alive. I, it's funny how we're all talking. I'm just as asking if he questions. Is, yeah, yeah, sure. Like I listened to other Walking Dead podcasts this morning, and everyone is just kind of like, "Yeah, no, Glenn's not dead." Yeah. So you fucked up, man. Two days after the thing, everybody's pretty much figured out the twist. Yeah, to the extent I mean, that it, if Glenn's really dead, I think people flip back around to being mad because the uh, the way they handled it kind of like they've robbed the whole nihilist, cold, brutal angle from it. You know? Yeah, and I, so I thought about this in kind of the meta. At, from a meta angle too sure. like how do you how do you contain something like that like if you're going for a shot where he's clearly dead and shit just gets out of hand and people are like no no we're spinning it this way and we're spinning it that way and he doesn't have to be dead and like shit just snowballs out of control how do, how do you deal with that like that's you, that's if where, you're that's... if you're gimple so okay Gimple was on immediately after the episode. So mm. let's not say like that was him completely ignoring what he needed to do in this scenario because he didn't know this scenario was going to exist. Assuming he meant for Glenn to clearly be dead. It's like the Breaking Bad thing mm. with uh, Gale. Yeah, right. Sure. People jump. Internet on a fucking move blew up and, about yeah, that. And, yeah. and it, was it a befuddled Gilligan. He yes. had no idea why it was happening. Yeah. How do how, so if Gimple really had didn't have the intention of making this so ambiguous. Why? Like, what does he do? I don't know. What does the show do? Because I don't think that's... When I mean, people are decrying the show and say, I this thought, is the worst I was like the Gale thing was a bunch this. of hooey that, like, I don't... Under, I really... Me like, too. That can Me be too. cleared up with another close watch of the scene. And now we're on kind of the other side of it, right? This like, is like, no, this seems everything's like... Everything's pointing to If Glenn you being, meant this to be a decisive death, you're done fucked up. You violated a lot of... The rules of your own damn yeah. kind of genre, honestly. You see someone being ripped up and... and <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's going to be they, uh, So as Steppenwall wrote an article this morning, because yeah. his article when he wrote it uh, Sunday night was like, well, Glenn's dead, and like this is this kind of a brutal nihilistic, I got to give uh, props to the showrunners for, for being willing to do it. And, and I would have said that too, yeah. And it really, you know, this feels appropriate for the universe. And he comes out today, mm-hmm. and he's like... This is a no-win situation. Yeah. Because if Glenn comes back from the dead, you've undercut all of that uh-huh. emotional weight and resonance of what and, and the kind of courage to do that on the television show. People are going to feel cheated emotionally. And if he's dead, the way they've dealt with the aftermath is going to make people feel like they've been jerked around. And, yeah. you know, you've, you've blunted the, like, you've, you've ruined the effect of what you were trying to accomplish. He's like... He said, I don't see any way out for the producers where they're going to make yeah. any of the any significant portion of the fans feel rewarded and happy. No, the, the creators of this show are stuck on a dumpster with the <laughs> zombie audience all around them trying to pull them down and eat them. Gimple's going to turn to Nicotero and say, thank you. <laughs> and there we go. Thank you for your beautiful effects work. <laughs> so that would make, um, let's see, so that would make Darabont... Like Jackie, season one Jackie. <laughs> It'd make Mazera like glit, like Dale, uh, right? I think so. Yeah. And Nicotero's Dickless, or no, not Nicotero, uh, Gimple's Dickless. All right. Yeah. And then there's no one left to steer the RV. 
back onto the road. Uh, Gardner says... Whoever's executive producing Fear to Walking Dead can save the day. No problem. Mm, no problem. Mm, Just... I'm not sure about that. <laughs> Flip them the keys of the kingdom. Why not? Yeah. Uh, Gardner says, in a world like the show takes place in, um, not everyone gets to tie up their life with a little ribbon, so as much as I hate to see Glenn die, I get tired of seeing each character have a big moment before they die. Thought when when he put the watch in the bag, I knew he was in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. That that should have definitely been a clue. Um, but his other point of like, you know, we don't need to have this big extravaganza episode for each character when they die, because that's something we've also been, you know, saying as a tell the whole sure. time. Yeah. Like, oh, it's a Glenn, it's a best centric episode. She's gonna die. Mm-hmm. That sort of stuff. I mean, Tobin's the not Tobin's the perfect example of that. A guy we've never even seen before spilling forth a bunch of life story. I mean, that's the most extreme example. Yeah. Let's just give this guy a backstory. So it's really his only episode. <laughs> yeah. And then give him a little arc where Michonne has to smear off the ink and. Yeah. Uh, going on, Dan says so. First off, Glenn's not dead. Watch that scene again. There's a particular part where you clearly see intestines being pulled out of what looks like Glenn's chest. I'm no doctor, but I know for sure the intestines aren't wrapped around your lungs. So it's quite simple. Nicholas fell on top of him, and Glenn served as nothing more than a table for the walkers and their Nico feast. Yeah, no, I I think that's... And in fact, if you closely watch it, it very much seems like that is uh, Nicholas's body. Like the clothes and all that matched what they're actually pulling out of. So yeah. uh, to me, it's, it's case closed. <laughs> and I mean, Glenn screaming could honestly just be how horrified he oh, is that shit. a yeah. this scenario and b intestines of nicholas the guy he's trying to save have plus you know, even if ripped open even if it's, even if nicholas body is laying perfectly on him like a chalk fucking outline yeah you still got to think that zombies are going to eat their way through or like grab a piece of you that's hanging out and like maybe even your face like start eating your eyeballs or something like zombies are not picky yeah i, I didn't like the way that glenn I don't know how Glenn ended up in the position he ended up in head first toward the dumpster. Like the way he falls off. That's impossible. But it's we've not seen, possible. We've, we've seen, seen trucks a fall Chevy work van do Land Greg Luganis three quarter half twist, you know, yeah, nine out of yeah. 10 East German judge kind of stuff. And what are you going to do? I mean, it just shows you how sloppy everything is. I don't know. Anyway, uh, speaking of Nicholas, maybe I guess- he landed on. <laughs> He actually over-rotated, landed on his head, mm-hmm. and then fell. You know, that's the only thing. He, he Maybe Dickless So the silence t- in that scene is him literally just not <laughs> being able to hear because he's, he's going in and out of consciousness. He's got a stage three concussion. Uh-huh. He, it, it's, it, what's going on inside his head is essentially what's going on in Nicholas's head this whole episode. Just, yeah, and slow motion and pain. Uh, speaking of Nicholas, to continue with Dan's email here, uh, I'm wondering if you guys felt that he'd redeemed himself in this episode. I mean, if we look at the facts, I, no. you're shaking your head already, but I, I want to lay out the case. Yeah, no, I'm not, jump, I'm, I'm not being hasty at all. Let me carefully consider this. So point mm. one, he helped guide everyone to safety. Ah, yes, yes. Point two, he knowingly put himself in danger to help Glenn find a flammable building. Yes, of course. Point three, he fought till the bitter end and took the hard way out by killing himself after thanking Glenn for not giving up on him. Now, I'm, I'm never not described the suicide as the hard way out in this context That's before. definitely the easy way out. <laughs> <laughs> So he goes on, now I'm not blind to the fact that Nicholas killed more than he saved with his idiotic antics whilst out on runs, and even in those last moments of, the li- of his life whilst looking at the walkers and then turning to Glenn, uh, a part of me panicked, thinking he would push Glenn off the dumpster in order to cause a distraction to save his own life, but thank God he didn't. Uh, I do feel he endeared himself a lot in this episode, and I was even sad that he died. 
Glenn really showed there is a dick to be found on most of the dickless characters out there. All right. Uh, to, to end this email, I'd like to applaud both Michonne for her wonderful speech to Heath. And when he saw his reflection in that puddle at the end of the episode, he began to realize what Michonne was really talking about. I especially love the line, have you ever done things that made you afraid of yourself? This is the kind of territory I believe Rick is stepping into right now. These uh, also, he he comments on, you know, these guys being against euthanasia, <laughs> against killing. It's not even euthanasia at that point. It's just mercy killing. Yeah, it's mercy killing. Yeah. Putting them out of your misery is how I describe it, which is, I guess, another way for euthanasia. That's that's what euthanasia is, right? Otherwise, it's just I guess murder. So. Yeah. It's medically necessary <laughs> I think killing. that's the definition of it. I'm yeah. not certain. Uh, it's not something I think about a lot. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so he, he tries to make a case for Dickless not being quite so Dickless. But well, the other thing is I, I actually like, because, you know, something I've come to appreciate in talking about mental illness, incidentally, over four or five years and talking to psychologists and doctors is this, like these psychic breaks, these these dissociative episodes are not something that people consciously control. It's not like oh yeah, Dickless is just pussing out. Like when he has these episodes, it's a involuntary reaction to stress beyond what your psyche can bear. Yeah, and it's not like you can just snap out. It's of like it. a seizure, right? You're not yeah. just gonna say I'm done having. This yeah, it's seizure. like a kid has a seizure and he's like, "Well, come on, you fucking spaz, get up, run yeah. from the zombies!" Like it's no, it's a medical, it's a physical thing that's happening. To so him. that's why I haven't been like, "Oh, what a fucking dick Dickless has been." Uh, yeah, yeah. That this is a medical condition he was suffering from, but it's still kind of frustrating. I think him volunteering to show he's trying actually. Sure. Does he volunteer? I know that's the thing. He doesn't. They un- I think yeah. I was about to say that they undercut that with having him kind of shitting his pants as as Heath keeps putting him to the front. Well, yeah, you're the one experienced at the town. You know, uh, you're you're the man. And also, when Glenn and him go out on the mission, Glenn, like he says, "I'll draw you a map." Glenn says, "No, you're coming with me." Sure. And sure. and he does. I mean, he he steps up and he does actually try and lead this mission, but he doesn't volunteer. Well, and also, you, I think the reason they got off into the weeds is because he didn't know the town as well, and he yeah. was trying to run point. And it's arguable that he and he panicked. He panicked. He got he the got details stuck wrong behind a couple of Walker walls. Sure, and, sure. But no, he's kind of a pitiful. Yeah. He's on a, honestly kind of a pitiful character. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But there again, that's and weird Glenn how they him. muddied him up. The you know him and Aiden where these like douchebag assholes are kind of like gleeful about, I don't know. I guess that's a story you tell yourself. It's too much to unpack in one episode, but whatever. I don't know. I felt like Nicholas arc was not bad. It was no, I mean, we were I just talking about good. how we were kind of engaged with it and how, you know, the way they kind of backwards told a story made a lot of sense. And yeah, it's interesting what Glenn's doing. I did you think that they have fucked it up either way they go. They have either blunted the impact what they're trying to do or completely betrayed it. Yeah, yeah, with the death or yep. not death of Glenn. So All I right, guess move. are we supposed to be glad that they're now fumbling on the one-yard line instead of like not taking a pass <laughs> no. to 50? No, we shouldn't be. <laughs> uh, Michael says, it seems like a fish fishnado-level event that he would escape getting bitten, talking about Glenn. But for some reason, I'm okay with this. If Glenn emerges traumatized by this experience, it would be a good character development for him. <sighs> he should learn from this to be tougher on people like Nicholas. Next time someone shows signs of weakness, Glenn should go into machine mode and pop a cap on him. Good evolution from our favorite Domino's delivery guy. Yeah, I don't... It's hard to argue with that. Um, I don't 
But I again, I don't know what the show actually believes as far as what morality is supposed to be like in the zombie apocalypse. And maybe it's something you kind of just figure out as you go along. I'd still like the more I think about it, the more mad I am that they didn't show him like roll like hitting the ground immediately rolling underneath a thing. And then they set up a situation exactly like Rick and they laid all this groundwork with him being called him a dumbass and all this stuff. Yeah. Callbacks. These that would have been really interesting in a way that yep. his non-death isn't. So but uh, then again, those weren't the guys making the show. Hell, I don't know other than Nick. Maybe Gimple's never even seen season one. Who knows? I don't know when he didn't he join in season three or is he a season two guy who uh, Gimple. I want it. I want to say he was a season. He definitely wasn't season two at the earliest. He was season three. Okay. Uh, Cause Mazzara was the one running things in two and three. Sure. Uh, Barry C from the UK says, so some complete asshole fed me a spoiler just before I watched this episode. So it kind of ruined Glenn's stuff for me anyway. However, in my opinion, an underwhelming death is a good way to go. It reminds me of how John Travolta dies in Pulp Fiction. Spoiler alert. Uh, he was just <laughs> essentially thug number one in the Bruce Willis story, but because we knew him as the protagonist in an Uma Thurman overdosing story, it was all the more shocking when he got shot on the toilet. That's actually, that's a really cool, uh, that's, a, that's a good point. Sure. Because, like, especially when you have those dual storylines going, mm-hmm. like, he he's kind of like a hero of the story. In one, in one point As we're view. seeing him early on in the movie, and then you go to another story, and he's a nobody, and he just gets killed. <laughs> yep, and then he's a sidekick in the other. Yeah, yeah. I think that's great. Um, He also asks if uh, the guys Rick killed in this episode were the wolves that Morgan let go in the previous episode. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes, they are now. Uh, and they made a point, especially of him almost getting killed by the gun that Morgan let go mm-hmm. last episode. Uh, Dan from Philly. Hey, guys, I guess the only word I can use to describe how I feel about this episode is perplexed. 80,000 of the undead in hot pursuit, and this group keeps stopping to have discussions. Sprained ankle or not, the threat of being consumed alive will make you forget any physical limitations you might have. I had this problem in True Detective the the other way, right? Like, if that guy can power through uh, broken ribs, you can power through a sprained ankle. Oh, I see what Come you're on. saying. Come on. Uh, yeah. And there's also another uncomfortable parallel to uh, season two, True Detective. They did a very memorable fake-out death that left uh, a kind of sour they taste did. in our mouth that never really paid off and became more than what it was. So, But honestly, kind of seemed more reasonable in retrospect, right? No, seriously, like, it's not nearly as big a horseshit as this is, yeah. but it's still, it it undercut that, and that's one of the reasons it, it was a yeah. good show, not great this year. So you take a good show, The Walking Dead, I'll grant was a good show these first two episodes, and you pull this mm-hmm. shit, what does it become? He also says, if next week's show is 90 minutes of Morgan learning the ways of the Force, I'm going to be pissed. Yeah, I don't, I don't want that whole episode to be... I'd strap in. Strap oh, in, God. because that is all probably what preview. it's going to be. Yeah. And the other thing is, look, I get people are pissed at Morgan, but Lenny James, 90 minutes, he's never not been stellar. I am, I'm actually very puzzled because there's that seemed to be the sentiment of a lot of people. Fuck this Morgan episode. Uh, really? Just because he had a little bit of over rampant morgalizing, like maybe there's a good reason for that. I, I'm only fucked this Morgan episode because I'm I want this shit to play out. Sure, like, no, I want I, the herd stuff against, to be 
happening and against done. the backdrop of all this stuff and Glenn's death and it's it's yeah. a bit much, but I'm I don't, don't want to go away for a whole episode. Okay, that's fair, but to be like I'm not interested at all in Morgan's backstory is shocking to me. And sure, I a agree. lot of people are yeah. expressing that opinion, and I just wow, mm-hmm. that's surprising. Yeah. Uh, Giovanni says, I watched the episode and immediately checked the ratings for it on IMDb just to get an instant glimpse of the reaction it received. I was shocked to see that it rated 9.8 out of 10 with almost 1,500 votes. That raises the question of what what will piss people off enough to not watch this show? Well, you know, it, well, I've always, I always talk about Bill Simmons because he's the anti-Aaron. He I he just came back with his podcast off his firing of H of ESPN. Oh God. He hated the first two episodes of The Walking Dead. What? Yeah. How is that possible? Yeah, I don't know. Those I, were great episodes. I don't know. But he's just like, oh, the black and white, and why are they trying to get too snooty? And it's like, you know, it's, I'm trying to it's exactly <laughs> what I said. This guy's wanting a straightforward right. example of reasonably good looking people. But but also Bill Simmons is a wrestling fan. Oh, well, you can disregard everything he says. <laughs> but I'm so there's an interesting I saw a documentary over the weekend called Wrestling's Not Wrestling. And it really explained to me why people enjoy wrestling on the levels that they do. It's a soap opera, right? It is. It's kind of a masculine yeah. ultra male soap opera with larger life characters, but there's like mm-hmm. it's interesting because it never stops in the same way soap opera. So it's generational and you have these upheavals yeah. and all this stuff and like it's kind of operatic if you look at the history of like a single character in this documentary in a very humorous way takes us through the life of Triple H. Okay. And how he evolved and all that stuff. And it, it made it kind of compelling. The Walking Dead, if you're like looking at it from a wrestling point of view, he's got to be like the best fucking thing ever. Hmm. Like it's so much that only better. So a guy like Bill Simmons who can engage with the wire and breaking bad enjoy that also can shift into the re- i think he shifted to the wrestling partner's brain so when they come at him with multiple parallel timelines and black and white and reversed yeah he's like what the fuck what the fuck is this i don't want memento in my wwe i just want to see action and straightforward drama but no go like go to conflict. any average episode that we hate on the reddit the walking wow. dead subreddit and everybody is uh Curiously, that ep- that that sub seems to love to talk about haters like they're big problem, but they're not the ones getting top voted. And I don't know. Hmm. I just... All right, moving on because we have a lot more shit. To oh, get sorry. Through. Melissa says, "Please explain to me why Daryl left the herd and where he was going to help Rick." Then he ends up meeting back up with Sasha, and there's no concern over the fork in the road that some walkers might stray heading back to Alexandria. She's confused about Daryl, and I think we are similarly confused as to his exact motivations uh and the timeline but i think the basics i'm thinking that road is where rick was going to come from on the rv that there is that he was going to loop around and there's a road like the intercuts between then that shows us that rick fucked things up we already know he did that he needed more time from glenn he didn't get that more time he's already surrounded no i mean eventually i don't think he so if Daryl keeps leading the group away, then eventually Rick will get there and kind of like dovetail into it. And I don't know what the plan is after that, but yeah, I think maybe he might have like a second pack behind him. I... There, no, seriously, there is supposed there supposedly is going to be another road that bisects this that he can intercept yeah. them and get them to follow. Mm-hmm. So and now that there's the gunfires over and a horn, that would have worked. Except have for... to be... Sure, that's why he needed exact. the extra time. 
because he's got to either meet up exactly when Sasha and Abraham to because the herd's not going to stop for him to wait for them to show up. Or he's got to wait until after they pass by and get behind the herd. And then he's sandwiched. I don't know how he gets out of that. That timing is going to be rough for him. Sure. Yeah, no, it's I, gonna be interesting. I, but I think that was what the they were trying to do. He's going to try to seamlessly lead them to the end of the existing herd and that's, get him back on track. Tough. Uh, so she goes on. Um, if Glenn is truly dead, because let's face it, the odds are not looking good. Well, Maggie even mourn his death. Look how they had her handle her sister missing. It was like she didn't give a shit. No, missing is like uh, yeah, you know, your Schrodinger's. Schrodinger's boyfriend at that point. <laughs> a husband. Husband, that's right. Schrodinger's husband. Yep. Nathan says, after this episode, I want to officially make two different types of deaths for The Walking Dead. The swan song, where a character is made useful or important to the plot in the episode or scenes before their death in order to get some sort of emotional reaction when they mm-hmm. finally bite the bullet. He lists T-Dog, Herschel, Beth, and Glenn as examples of that. And the other, the other type of death, the siren's shriek, which is a bit of a mouthful. Uh, where the characters need to workshop that a bit. We'll get back. Yeah, that. where the characters look good on paper, but the execution is botched enough to make people actively encourage their death in the show. Mm-hmm. Examples include Lori, Andrea, Tyrese, Lizzie, Mika, Noah. I'm looking at you, deck chair. <laughs> uh, if only Noah had looked at the deck chair. And then he goes through some of the characters that still seem to be alive that, that are still alive that seem to be relevant to either of these categories. First off, Carol. Uh, has frequently flirted with joining the Swans, but manages to pull it back each time. Mm. The reason she is still alive uh, is that she has been too relevant and too useful to ditch at all. Mm. Uh, Maggie and Gabriel are on the edge of being a siren by endangering the group on multiple occasions through inaction and generally refusing to acknowledge their surrounding situation. Yeah, yeah, I kind of agree with that. Certainly Gabriel. Um, Maggie had a moment in the tunnel where she was... He put Eugene in that category too? Uh, I don't, he well, doesn't Eugene's know. Eugene's lovable. He's, he's gone, yeah. he's passed through the event horizon has come has. out the other side. Like when he shoots hole. the truck, I would say, yeah, fuck that guy. Yeah. He's a shrieker, but yeah, now I'm kind of, he's the show's comic him. relief. You need him. Yeah. Uh, Casey T says, uh, adding more to the evidence that Glenn isn't dead. So I know you think it's impossible for Glenn to be to get out of his current predicament, but buckle up because somehow Glenn lives. Gimple said, uh, well, we kind of talked about this, but in some way we will see Glenn, some version of Glenn or parts of Glenn again. Maybe he's Either assimilated in a by the Borg. Maybe he'll be a zombie. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe uh, a Time Lord will come in and save him with the phone booth. Who knows? Uh-huh. Either a flashback of the or the current story to help complete the story. So that's his exact words. Uh, make of those what you will. William, is it just me, or does anyone else think that Enid or one of the wolves took Judith? We saw her on the baby monitor at the beginning of JSS, and I thought for sure Carl would look and see if she was gone when he took out the casserole, but it was cut away. No way. No way. Then, then in thank but you... Carl fall asleep? Then in thank you, Rick finds the baby food on one of the wolves. I think they are setting up a kidnapping in the next episode. Let me know what you guys think. Could that hint, could the baby food be a hint that Judith will be a target? very soon i kind of like this theory it's stretching but i kind of like it i you know, the problem i have the baby food is i guess that would be in a pantry maybe because i don't think they got into rick's house carl was guarding that with a, a fucking assault rifle and i don't think carl yeah. fell asleep 
No, you're right. And Carl, after everything was over, <laughs> pulled out the sp- you know spring cleaning casserole like nothing was amiss. Yeah, nobody got in Rick's house. I, you know, would The Walking Dead do this? Sure. But clearly they had baby food, right? That's not in dispute. No, and it's now it's weird that I guess if there's no other babies in town that you would have the baby food kept in the pantry. But then yeah. again, if you're getting down to eating celery soup, how far is eating baby food down the line? <laughs> I mean, maybe that it is something that's good. And they all had dumb rules. So maybe they made Rick parcel up all of his formula and shit and they're spooning it out to him just because that's their dumb <laughs> rule. I, I don't know. Maybe. Lydia had to have something useful to do for herself. That, that was her name? The woman I stuck in a pantry? so. Lydia. I think that's... I was trying to... Th- Think of Carol screaming the name, and that's that's what came out. So, all right, uh, moving on. Beverly B says, "So everyone I know believes Glenn survived, thanks to the screaming, uh, the screening attributes of the zombie guts. Uh, which, first of all, it wasn't even zombie guts that would be follow- flowing on him; it would just be Nicholas guts, um, which he thinks they would just want to eat. But if zombie guts work that well, then it raises the problem I've had from early on: why don't they cover themselves in zombie guts all the time? Yeah, got a limp. Like in this episode, sure. cover yourself in zombie guts. There's yep. lots of them around. Limp along with the herd. Uh, up until now, I've given it a pass, although it bugged me by telling myself that the gut shield would take a while to set up and work imperfectly up close. I don't know. A lot of ambiguity it's around how it depth, works, though, and right? Why it works, and like it's it's the only downside is you smell revolting. I, it, it, it yeah. is curious that they wouldn't even have like, maybe you even build big bulky suits that have guts and stuff on it. So you can take on and off. Or I guess she suggests that too. Yeah. Ah, uh, so yeah, I, I, I don't know, man. Uh, Seppenwall mentioned in his reviews. Like, I wonder if that's something that Gimple wishes that they could undo or Kirkman. Cause Kirkman's the one that did it, wishes sure. that they could undo because it's like, that seems like a great answer for everything. Guts. Yeah. You're stuck in this place. You need to get out. And there's a bunch of zombies. Guts. They know it works. Just yeah. as long as it's not raining, it as long works. As it's not raining. You, there you go. There is your out. Have a scene. Every it's time just, you don't want them to use it, have a scene where it's down raining. Rain, sure. Yeah. Uh, Carol from Richmond, Virginia says, here's my beef with this episode. Cloaking. Uh, she She's going to talk about the pets i think yeah michonne's character is introduced as a stealthy badass arriving in the midst of a zombie herd by way of two zombie companions why not pull a couple of zombies in the pet shop and make escorts for the group the very least why not have gimpy one and gimpy two roll around in some zombie entrails if they fall behind they have last line of defense it would have been a great way to demonstrate demonstrate michonne's experience to heath without suffering through another speech about it and i think yeah that's that's key right like how fucked up would that be because I'm sure, yeah, I mean, like, they're just start butchering and like, okay, you're not going to believe this, but this is what we're going to do. Yeah. Are you sure it's going to work? Pretty sure. Done it before. Yeah. That, I mean, that would come across as savvy and clever. Yeah. And he never would have thought of it. And he could have been, you know, thoroughly impressed by it. Sure. When he sees it. Yeah. That'd have been interesting. I agree. Um, okay. Read from Calgary says overall i like the episode that i feel like i didn't really understand why certain characters were doing certain things maybe i just watched it too late or maybe i missed a mumbled line but why did daryl suddenly take off where'd he go to where did rick go to what was he trying to do why did glenn and nicholas run for blocks and blocks to burn down a building was everything else made of solid concrete i don't know uh he's he's just questioning like what was going on and in case we hadn't talked about it i wanted to leave this in here but i think we've covered it he also says by the way have they actually said that maggie is pregnant 
because she's obviously pregnant, right? I think that's what they were getting at before Glenn left last. It's time. not obvious, but that's certainly I, a fan theory. Yeah, sure. yeah, I don't think it's obvious either. Andrew E says, "Last season, it seemed Noah wanted Glenn to watch him die, which I found to be an unreasonable request." But I guess that's the mindset of this world. We're all in this shit show together, and I'd rather have your company and die horribly and slowly than be snuffed out gratefully. Watch me die. It will make me feel better. (laughs) It doesn't make any sense, but that's the mentality of these people. Also, he says, favorite line of the episode award goes to Rick for the horn stopped. Good. (laughs) We didn't talk about the shitty dialogue because I think I have a couple of emails about it. But yeah, there was some just bad exposition like. No, we we hear it. We hear yeah. the horn stopped, and maybe have a different character say good. Yeah, so he doesn't come across like a fucking idiot. Yeah, yeah. Even then, like the you couldn't shoot Noah because they were the glass door is the only thing keeping him alive. So there's a reason for Glenn to you know be like, look and at he him. He was stuck there, right? Yes. Like, he yes. couldn't. These he couldn't lack of mercy do- killings just seem like you're... Again, <laughs> I keep going back to Obi-Wan Kenobi. To me, that's the worst yeah. moment in the prequel. That he left his best friend to die on a mountain. He just cut his shit completely dick. off. Yeah. He's on fire and screaming. And it's not Jedi to put him out of his misery. He's not driven from the place by the Emperor coming. There's no battle droids. He nope. just says, again, you're the asshole, Anakin. I've left you in anguish, Princess Bride style, but you're the asshole. Yeah. Wow. And that, that Michonne is essentially Obi-Wan this entire episode. Okay. We got one more email on the meta of Glenn being dead or not. Oh, boy. Sleeve says, this episode was an unfortunate drop after two amazing episodes. I agree. Uh, he's super disappointed in the storyline because both options, him being dead or alive, suck. Yep. If he's, if he's dead... It was an anticlimactic end to a long-term well-loved character. I I actually think that's kind of a good thing um, in this universe, but I'm going to continue. He was treated like an afterthought. Although, I have to say it was interesting to see a leading character have a realistic death. You know, no 10-minute heartfelt monologues or heroic self-sacrifices. Just a bad decision, a dead end, and a shitload of zombies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's... I agree. I don't know that that's such a bad thing if he's... I, I think the way that they handled it, yes, if he's dead, it's a bad thing now. I mean, we've said this like six times in the podcast. If they die, go with the nihilist. Anyone can die at any time. That's actually kind of commendable. Yeah. On the other hand, if he's alive, the writers are trolling the audience so hard, it's beyond insulting. Seriously, you're going to tell us Glenn got out of that? So Dickless fell right on top of him. And even though Glenn's head is right there in the open, the zombies just ignore him and he scoots under the dumpster and makes it out. Ridiculous. He's also screaming, which is an understandable reaction, but that's not something that would make a zombie not fall on you and try to eat you either. Screaming would attract zombies. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Sure. So like play dead, go with the ball <laughs> strategy of playing dead. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Justin says, one thing I've noticed about the walking dead writing over the past few episodes is a rampant use of ambiguity and doubt. Is Sasha suicidal? No, she says with a half smile. Is Zena the wolf? Probably not, but there's evidence and lack thereof either way. Is Glenn dead? Most likely, but there's just enough doubt to leave the door open that he is. Uh, or that he's not. How do you think the use of ambiguity works on a show like this? Especially since in the past, the show has been quite demonstrably unambiguous to the point of beating you over the head with character motivations and death scenes. So does that undermine the times they try to go for an, for some ambiguity? Of course. The boy I, who cried I agree, wolf. yeah. Because and it's different because, you know, The Leftovers is a show we're currently digging on, and 
it is all about ambiguity. Everything could be taken two different ways, depending on where you yeah. purchase material. But it's interesting and kind of thrilling. And it's consistent, too. Yeah, and but it's a different type of story, too. Yeah. This isn't a zombie melodrama. So I feel like that... And the ambiguity is never, is this character dead or alive, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, is what you're actually seeing on the screen the thing that actually happened? Right. So if that was one of the conceits of Walking Dead, one of the premises is that at no time it's a psychological thing, a thriller, and you got to decide yeah. what's real for yourself and what's not. It's more like, what does this mean? Yeah, so The Walking Dead, I don't think, can get away with that. No, I think it's more, much, much more like The Boy Who Cries Wolf, where, you know, these fans, I feel sorry for them. They spend 48 hours grieving for Glenn. And, like, that's a real thing. Yeah. Like, a character, like, I stopped reading Game of Thrones. Jesus, <laughs> I get this is three years ago, but I'll protect you people that haven't fucking got around watching Game of Thrones yet. I stopped reading the book when I got to a certain event for two weeks because it just broke me. I'm mm-hmm. like, fuck this series. I don't, fuck Martin. You taken yeah. every bit of hope away from me, and I hate you all. If it like, had been a bait and switch, yeah. If that's been a and, and I had done that, I would have been pissed. Yeah. So I feel sorry for the people that have really been bummed out these last two three days. Uh, you know, assuming that we find out, and I, I'm I'll be uh, ultra bummed if it turns out that yes, Glenn is dead because we've been pff, spilling so much hot air about it. Just guess is what they want. God damn those people. I think so. Uh, okay. So Mike kind of, lay, kind of lays out a case for why uh, this would be good if if he were actually dead. Um, he says, look, Glenn didn't get a long, drawn-out, and transparent episode devoted to his death, and I thought that was awesome. Not everyone gets to go out as a hero. Glenn's death is a tragic, gruesome statement about the way shit happens in this world. Glenn just ran out of luck. Tried and tried to help slash trust the wrong person one too many times, and it sucks, but that doesn't mean it wasn't impactful. Um, and he kind of, he was res- surprised at our response to this in the instant cast, and I think, you know, we hadn't thought about it. Um, he says the dramatic implications around the fact that people don't even know what happened to him is so sad. Uh, I know Jim is an emotionless robot, but you too, Aaron. <laughs> Come on. Well, but I didn't – I think you got it that I was skeptical yeah. that he was dead from the jump. I really just didn't buy it. Um, yeah. But, yeah, once I thought about it, I think that would have been a cool way to go. He also says, I think you can also appreciate what's going on thematically in this episode. David's story, um, who's the guy we kept calling Tobin in the first one. Not Tobin. <laughs> Not Tobin. About Betsy. Dude, that's Glenn's story. The parallelism is fantastic. How is it Glenn's story? He met a a girl after the... Yeah. But Glenn was never one of the lost, damned savages. No, he wasn't. Uh, Michonne and Rick were the... Say his piece here. Okay, all right. It tells the story of Glenn without saying it's about Glenn. How they show Nicholas breaking throughout this episode is also really good. Uh, Then when Glenn finally accepts Nicholas by letting him show him the way, this is the final straw, man. He's... He... So he's like trying to lay out a case for why this episode was better than we gave it credit for, and I, I don't, I don't Not, disagree that some of these themes might have been good. Uh, it's sure. just the way that they're undercut at the end. I think uh, the this is the rare case where the episode is worse than we were letting on in the instant cast. <laughs> Maybe so. Uh, Austin Jack says fist bump is pregnant in real life, and in episode two was clearly showing. How will they write this into the show? Will fist bump be asked who the father is, and Eugene will step forward and say? 
I engage fist bump in sexual relations in an attempt <laughs> to create a type of harmony between us. And as a result of this encounter, a child was conceived and this child will grow and bring a, be a bringer of the cure. I don't know. I don't know how they're going to they handle that. I mean, they, they just won't they'll hide it. it. They'll hide it as best they can and yeah. hope that nobody cares. That occasionally happens on Walking Dead yeah. or on TV shows. It happened with Sasha last season. I, I think they can do it. And a gun. I mean, she was clearly pregnant in the yeah, last I episode. I noticed it while watching it, but right. I don't care. No, I think it happened to Anna Gunn season four, Walking, yeah. or Walking Dead, of Breaking Bad. She had a baby, yep. gained some weight. You have one. It's like same thing with Chandler on Friends. Like uh, uh <laughs> dude had a hardcore pain addiction habit, and he was super skinny, kind of dangerously skinny Chandler. And the next year, you got fat Chandler. And then the year <laughs> after that, you got normal Chandler. It did have, people real have real lives. They don't have to work it in to the show. Sure. Jackie says, most of the discussion about this week's episode seems to be arguing whether or not Glenn is dead. There's one more thing no one else seems to be talking about, so I thought I'd pass it on. Glenn appears to die in much the same situation, uh, and from the same camera angle that we saw Rick trapped in, um, which I guess is narrative symmetry of some sort, but of course, Rick didn't actually die in that tank. Meanwhile, there's this exchange between Rick and Glenn from Season 1, Episode 2, Guts, where they first met face-to-face. Rick says, back at the tank, why'd you stick your neck out for me? Glenn says, call it foolish, naive hope that if I'm ever that far up shit creek, somebody might do the same for me. Guess ah, I'm an even bigger dumbass than you. Many seasons later, Glenn is indeed up a similar shit creek, pinned down while the walkers occupy themselves while pulling guts out of his trusty companion. Rick had the horse. Glenn has Nicholas. <laughs> About the same. Uh, except you can't ride Nicholas out of a bad situation. Watch uh, him. <laughs> Watch him. <laughs> Maybe someone will do the same as he did for Rick and stick their neck out for him. No, that that's would an interesting act- bit of dialogue. I do like that. Like I said, the, the one absolute answer that Gimple and Nicotero have for snarky assholes like us is to be cackling to themselves as they're seeing all this reaction and didn't do something epic and mind blowing. Yeah, they fucked it up by going up there and, and talking about it, but they could. There is a place I could kind of squint and see something kind of epic. It might be unbelievable. You might not believe that Glenn was able to get underneath the whatever, but I can see conceptually some awesome things coming out of here grudgingly. So, okay. And I'm ready. Like, honestly, if they do do something cool with the tie into that tank scene, I'll be the first one to be like, yep, they got me. All right. Uh, I want to talk about a slightly different angle on this. Ed says, false hope defeated is a beat often played on The Walking Dead. I think we'll see Glenn play out in a way somewhat familiar to how Sophia did in season two speculation, a search, some hope, and ultimately a corpse mm-hmm. zombie Glenn is a certainty. So he's, he's definitely on zombie Glenn is dead. Do you think that'd be interesting? Like they're kind of setting us up for everyone thinking that Glenn is dead, right? No smoke. Mm-hmm. Rick's going to think it. Michonne's going to think it. The people who matter are going to go back and say Glenn died. Yeah. Especially when he never shows up. Well, yeah. presumably, but he's got the CV. That's the thing. They'll know. Like if, you're right. If Glenn's alive, yeah, Rick would. But if he's dead, then I, man, they were really going to town on him. I would imagine <laughs> you'd see Glenn's head on a skeleton as a zombie. Mm, maybe, yeah. Devin from Alexandria, Virginia. Good God, the dialogue in the first part of the episode was terrible. It wasn't a problem with the delivery. The acting was well done. It was just so expositional that it felt forced and out of character. Um. Scenes that come to mind are when random Alexandrian lady mentions that they can run and walkers can only walk. 
when Rick matter of factly pointed out that the horn stopped and how that's a good thing. <laughs> when shoulder bitten guy mentions he has a wife and when Nicholas picks up the hat of dead Alexandrian dude from the road. Or the whole yeah. like Michonne checking his wound. How does it look about what you'd think? Like, yeah, that's he got bit on the neck, man. It doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, it looks great. It looks great. Yeah, no, it's fine. Go heal up. No problem. You want to scab up. It's already stopped bleeding. Yeah. Um, he just plus it undercuts the whole thing of like I know what this means. Next episode, can you look at my boot? Um, come, come on, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Not Tobin. J.K. has a another point of bullshit that we didn't mention. When Michonne and group were in the abandoned town, they heard gunshots coming from Alexandria. Right? Mm-hmm. Then why didn't they hear all the gunfire of Nicholas and Glenn only a block or so away? <laughs> That's a fair point. Hmm. That is a fair point. It's true because they were popping off like crazy in there they were so the smoke shouldn't be the only indication that they ran into some trouble or the lack of smoke rather true uh bill from houston wants to know if we're gonna gray out glenn on our cover art i don't know i I gotta wait you know it's funny because you it's been a long time since i haven't had had to flip a color yeah yeah i think glenn uh rick and carl are the only ones left ungrayed uh-huh yeah, so, I think you probably should. Pro- Will you? Probably. I don't know, but yeah. should you? Probably. Final email. Dan B. Had a quick point about Glenn's death from last episode. I say death because if he somehow survived that, I'm calling bullshit of all bullshits on that. Anyway, a recurring theme throughout the episode is that sometimes you have to leave people behind. Yes, that is obvious. Uh, Rick tells Michonne that they'll have to leave some Alexandrians behind. Michonne has her whisper fight with Heath, telling him that sometimes you don't have a choice and you have to leave. Uh, and I liked how Glenn's the death... whisper fight was kind of entertaining. I yeah, I, it, I forgot to mention that, but it was the, the hissing back and forth is like you know brother and sister fighting in church or something. Stop yeah. touching me! Tell you stop touching me. Uh, so he liked how Glenn's death wasn't right at the end of the episode, and there was still quite a bit of action after that. I thought that it made us as the viewers have to do just that and keep on moving. Uh, we didn't have time to mourn good guy Glenn too much because there was still a fair amount of show left and Daryl was going AWOL and Rick was in trouble. I was curious what you guys thought of this. It just makes me mad because I'm thinking of like, how much better this show could be if they deliberately did things like that, killed Glenn and then like have Michonne, you know, scream to somebody, we've got to keep moving go. or... I, I do like it. Like that's an interesting thing structurally though. It, like anytime... we're going to continue to bombard you with stuff so... You don't have time to really mourn Glenn so much. Right. And Keep like going. Anytime you can feel a little bit of what it feels like to be in a universe, I think is a good, is something that you should yeah. encourage. Whereas this show is the opposite. It encourages you to actively kind of sit back and, and have some kind of, you know, you either enjoying on a wrestler level, so you don't really care about the characters, or you're engaging mm-hmm. it in like a hate watch, kind of like, oh, fuck, you know, fuck these people, make fun of it. It could have been better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right uh that's all the emails we have i think we're gonna do a short spoiler section after okay. the fact um after the music so you know if you want to stick around for that you can we got some some contact info some stuff we can watch you dead at baldmove.com if you want to send us email and uh, also forums.baldmove.com 
if you want to join in. There's like 135 comments in the first 24 hours on this thing. That's a new, oh, so like half the email. The, <laughs> just, right? No, we I got so much email, man. Uh, that's the thing. Like, you're probably getting about half of the Game of Thrones. Like, you, you get a, it's, oh. you got, but you got to, you got to bulk up. You know, it's like I saw you. I'm glad I can't do Game of Thrones email. <laughs> you're, 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 you're editing live on the air. That's like the sec. You're like now moving to brown yeah, belt. Phase two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can just like mentally. Oh, I've been talking about this way too long. Cut, 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 cut. Yeah. Those are the bloodless cuts. You don't Black even feel Black belt those. is when you don't repeat. You, you, you're able to discern what you've already talked about and, on and the fly. And mentally just know I can yeah. skip through that. Yeah. yeah. That but requires it, an attention to the emails that I don't quite have yet. I, so my big thing with email is I hate cutting anyone. Like, if you took the trouble to me write too. me, yeah. it stings like a tear in my asshole to just skip over your well-reasoned thing that someone beat you to yeah. by a half hour. I'm feeling it. <laughs> so I always throw in a bunch of stuff because I, for whatever reason, when I'm out of time and I'm just frantically skipping stuff, I don't like, I don't, those are like, uh, Alexandrian deaths. Yeah. People that I'm yeah. actually cutting, like where I'm actually weighing their email, like a lamb and like whether it gets into my notes or not. That's like a Glenn death. Mm-hmm. If I'm like, Ed, like, Oh shit, zombies <laughs> are after me. I'm up against a time limit. You're dead. That's, yep. you're, an, you're, a, you're a mook. So I, I always tend to have like twice as much email as I can actually read just to get around. Oh, wow. My squeamishness of cutting people. Yeah, see, I'm not good enough yet to know that I will, I'll be able to not read it on the air. Uh-huh. So. Oh, well. Oh, well. I'm uh, glad you're the one suffering. Yeah, yeah. Game <laughs> of Thrones will be back on eventually, and you'll be screwed. Uh, All right. Thanks to everybody who sent in emails. I'm sorry if I had to cut you. We're going to do a little spoiler section, so stick around after the music. If not... Until next time, I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. See you. And we're back with the spoiler section. I've got a few emails to talk about. This Glenn death from a little more spoilery respect. Sure, yep. um, a lot of pictures going around. Louis B says uh, he he originally thought, oh, my God, Glenn can't die. But he did die. But then, oh, so I'm not sure where this pick came from. But if you remember from the comics, Aaron, the Jesus character appears a bit later and isn't in the show yet. Um, and he sends a picture of Jesus standing next to Glenn and Rick and Daryl. Uh, like all, all of these guys together. All the because Daryl's not in the comics. Probably Abraham. I think no, Abraham. no, no. He sends a, a set photo. Oh. A photo from the filming oh. of the show where oh. Jesus and Glenn and I think Daryl are standing next to each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we know that somehow he's got to be on camera. See, I, want, I was dying to point this out, that, like, but I couldn't talk about oh, I still can't do it because this is spoilers for not the other show I want to talk about. Jesus. Man, <laughs> I really want to make uh, a comparison to situations, contemporary situations that I can't. Son of a bitch. Mm. Because, yeah, that, that also cuts it out, that they've got li- leaked photos of yeah Jesus and Glenn hanging out. I'm sure Glenn's in costume. He's not, like, in street clothes, right? No, he's in costume. So, now, because I, I even mentioned, I think before I left Sunday night, I said the only thing that I could see them doing is, like, introducing the Jesus character, because he's kind of like this, I mean, I can't. Michonne is probably the other iconic character entrance that was kind of like, oh, wow, this is yeah. kind of it, it It expands what we thought we could see in The Walking Dead when she shows up with her pets, you mm-hmm. know, and her samurai sword. Jesus is kind of that next level 
thing. Hmm. I don't think they quite ever nailed with Abraham because Abraham was another kind of like, God, this guy's like right out of Sergeant Fury and his howling commandos stepping onto the comic book page. <laughs> but yeah, I thought like maybe Jesus could come in there and, but man, that's Jesus is not actually the, the Messiah. He's not the Christ. He doesn't have magic Jesus powers. He's just a man. He's a very uh-huh. talented hand to hand combat, kind of like Mark, you know, what we've seen of Morgan only more. So, okay. I don't know how he gets Glenn out of there. Plus, plus know. that would wreck. Now that I've seen it a bunch of times and I've heard, you know, I, I, I caught the dumbass over to CB, but the whole Glenn saying, maybe when this happens to me, someone will, that kind of wrecks the symmetry with him and Glenn. I guess, I guess, Someone does not mean that Glenn himself has to repay the favor, but it feels like that they've set up with all that to having. Yeah, have Rick help him out. But yeah. I don't know. Maybe Jesus can. I just don't know what Jesus would do. Turn water into wine. Really? Are you asking yourself what would Jesus do? <laughs> just raises him from the dead, Lazarus style. Glenn, uh, my faithful servant, come. And then he just gets up. Jake from Tallahassee has a a question about it. Uh, he sends in the same spoiler picture with Glenn not being dead. He says, if true, how will Bald Move deal with the fake out? I don't think you guys will rage quit one of your biggest shows, but what's the appropriate response for something like that? The Walking Dead is such a machine that nothing fans do really matters. Next week's episode will likely do insane numbers, and AMC slash The Walking Dead sacrificing narrative integrity was totally worth it. I don't know. I mean, that's a good question, right? Like, well, how, so... what? Is there anything that can be done that can piss people off so much yeah, that so they will sure. stop watching the show and yeah. the numbers required to really put a dent in it? Yeah, no, it, it can happen. Like it, and you don't ever. Is see this it. one of those things? You I never can't see imagine. it happen until it it does. You know, um, sure, sure. Like people right now, I'm a big football fan, but people are actively saying like, "What is when does all these drip drops of scandals and NFL yeah. being greedy and not caring about players' safety? When does that actually start to penetrate?" the American psyche. And I feel like it's already starting. And now we got a uh, Will Smith movie. That's going to blow the lid off of it. And, and that's the thing. The way right? announcers These... talk about big hits nowadays has changed and kind of cast a Paul. Hmm. So yes, even something as popular as American football in the United States, which is hard to understate how fucking popular it is. Yeah. It can fall off the throne if they don't watch it. So, so I so don't know what thing, it right? would. It's not like a bomb just drops on the show one episode and everybody goes, fuck this, I'm out. No. It's a snowball. It's a drip drop. Yeah. And like I, to me, asking if I'd not do The Walking Dead, I mean, if they put in a but every Fear time the Walking they have Dead a, season. Every time they have a great episode, it takes a flamethrower to that snowball, right? And like pairs it down a little bit and says, yes, okay, sure, we're back on track. And then that snowball has to get rolling again. And I would say, because that's the thing I've never, uh, they, if they have an eight episode season stretch where it's just really dire and they feel, I feel like they're phoning it in yeah. and they're having characters, important characters that I care about, like Rick and Michonne and Carl acting in bizarre, crazy ways. Yeah, I mean, definitely they can fuck it up that bad. It just, that's one of the frustrating things on the show. They no. always do just enough execution and just enough genuinely fun moments that I enjoy watching for those, and I can still kind of maintain an affectionate hate watch for the rest. Yep. Eventually, that will no longer be the case. I mean, I've quit Maybe. better shows. I've quit yeah. a lot better shows. I quit The X-Files but like around season six. I quit Lost season two. Like, I will quit a show. I quit The Americans. Yeah. So yeah. It, it can happen. I just don't <laughs> know what it, what it would be, take for... Some and it's weird. Sure. You got the people like Bill Simmons who, I mean, maybe that's one of the reasons they're so such a huge. They 
they appeal just enough to both of these different fan bases that yeah. they have like two shows worth of fans. They got the fans yeah. that are looking for serious drama that they get just enough breadcrumbs that they keep watching. They got the fans of uh, man. If you want that, go to Breaking Bad. Like, just go rewatch Breaking Bad and be done with it. Well, why? Because that's like the perfect storm as far as like we're gonna give you just enough action and just enough smarts and just enough drama. Boom! There you go. Yeah. Perfect. Tie a tie a ribbon on it. Mitch from North, uh, Mitch in from South Carolina. It's very confusing. Uh, talking about Glenn's death. Assuming Glenn is dead. Could this mean that they shuffle Glenn's Lucille death to Daryl? I can't imagine any other characters being uh, death being meaningful enough for that treatment. I've also, been repping that since. Yeah, I, I think we have. I've said that like that's the ultimate. Like if you want Negan, Negan, whatever, to come in and have people instantly pop. Yeah, just have you have him Darryl beat Daryl to fucking death with a baseball bat, and you yeah. right, it's on. It yep. is fucking on. And now, I mean, and I don't know, man. I feel like stronger than ever that maybe that's what they'll do because they've kind of shot their water to Glenn Death. I if they kill him later on the season, what the hell? Yeah, it's gonna be without teeth. Uh, Adam M sends in another spoiler, different. Not talking about Glenn's death. So I know I've sent like four other emails already over the last two weeks. That's fine. That's fine. It happens uh, about spoilers, but the IMDb trivia has done it yet again. Because this was just added to the list of spoilers for six sixteen, and he sends six sixteen. Yeah, for next next half season, the end of this full season. That are they? I don't know. I don't know. But here's what's written on IMDb according to him on the trivia for that episode. Rumored to be the first appearance of uh, appearance 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 of the beloved comic book villain Negan. There was a casting call for this episode for a character with the exact description of Negan named Oren. O-R-I-N? Hmm. Huh. And then a small Negan cameo will be shown in this episode. Uh, another comment, Negan will be making his first on-screen appearance. And then at the end of it, Morgan Jones dies in this episode. Morgan getting beat to death with him a baseball bat beat. would be interesting. Bringing him back yeah. is... I could see me caring and giving a shit about that, too. You can't beat the heat for Daryl, but that's that's an expensive round of ammunition to fire. Yeah. There's only yeah. one Daryl, and there's still people <laughs> repping the Daryl Dies We Riot t-shirts at every con sure. I've ever been to. So so that's another pretty good option, is if they can do some cool stuff with Morgan over this next season, then have him killed mm-hmm. by Negan. I like that. Uh, so the email that we moved into the spoiler section here is the final one. Read from Calgary. He says, I hope that Rick survives. I hope he gets out of the RV before the swarm came. I do like the hand injury. I wonder if that will turn into something. In the comics, Rick lost his hand a long time ago, and I was wondering if they'd ever go down that road. I know Kirkman says he regretted doing that in the comics, but it might be interesting to see Rambo Rick suddenly crippled. Then he couldn't do it all by himself, and maybe he'd have to start to teach, train, and mentor the survivors. Could be good for his character. What do you think? Is this going to be Farmer Rick all over again? Do we want to see that? So, hmm. I, the, the only thing I can say against that is that's Kirkman says it's his biggest regret. Um, now I can see him getting his writer hat on and being like, Oh, how can I do this in a way that's going to be, you know, I've learned from my mistakes and it's mm-hmm. remix time. So yeah, I can see him cutting his arm off. And Would it be good for the character of Rick? Like I don't is, understand. Is turning him Honestly, into I don't, I don't know why he said that's his biggest regret uh, that maybe it puts so many mm-hmm. constraints on it. 
it because Rick's has never not been a man of action. Yeah. He's just in there with his stump swinging away and shooting guns and slicing. And, you know, it does, yeah. didn't really slow him down much. Um, so I don't maybe know it if just it's wrote good. him into to a corner that he didn't feel comfortable in. Well, maybe that's a good thing for Kirkman to be in a little box of his own making, because I've not been too impressed maybe. with his, you know, remix stuff. Um, yeah. But I, is it good for the character? I, I don't know. And the evidence for is that they were weirdly emphasizing his hand injury. They were. And I, I felt like it was such a minor thing that like, why focus on it so much? It didn't interfere with him driving the RV. Um, is it going to? That to me says it's going to be a big deal later on. Maybe they'd have to amputate it. <laughs> I, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. And it'd be a pain in the ass for Andrew Lincoln because now he's got to wear a green sock on his hand and they got to digitally edit the stuff shit out all the time. I mean, it's clear to me that he cut his hand, not that he got bit. Because I, I don't know why. I mean, maybe if his hand gets like gangrene or something. Don't they have medicine? That's what I'm saying. They have antibiotics That's what I said. Denise, if she cannot, like, I seem like they have a well-stocked infirmary. Yeah. So, assuming that Denise can... need to take it off, but... Yeah. I don't... It didn't seem like a bite to me. Maybe he's allergic to penicillin and that's all they got? (laughs) That would be... That's my fate and, like, I'm allergic to penicillin, so... Jesus, don't yeah. get an infection. No. They have other antibiotics. They but. do, but I wonder if they're as commonly stocked or as easy mm. to come by. I would imagine not. Nope. Let's stock a bunch of the less effective version <laughs> of penicillin just for the people that are too allergic. Nope, let's not. That's the end of the episode. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. See you next time. All right, bye-bye.